0: Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom.
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, for me, the action is the
0: juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Signal of Doom. I'm Dave. I have with me the creator of the Forgotten Realms, Elminster himself, Ed Greenwood. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Hi.
0: <laughs> it's, it's fantastic to have you back, Ed. And can I say this? You, I think, are right up there in our all-time listened podcasts when we had you on last year, um, You're right up there with Chuck Dixon in terms of, like, um, the most downloads of any single podcast we've ever done. You're incredibly popular with the listeners, Ed.
1: Excellent. Yeah. I love being popular with listeners. I love being popular with gamers. Hey, I love being popular with anybody. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, why not, man? I mean, it's better to be yeah. popular than disliked. Now, I can say this. Um, firstly, thank you for coming on. And I've got a lot of questions from the audience, as well as my own kind of stupid questions, and Reddit as well. Reddit has really come to play. As soon as I announced that you were uh, available and coming onto the show, there was a lot of interest. You are a well-loved gentleman, Ed.
1: You know? Oh, I love to hear that. <laughs> I try to be a nice guy, and, and hey. I, I hope people like that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean,
0: I, I think it's a novel approach to what a lot of people do. I think they're <laughs>
1: – Yes, yes. I've seen the other um, – The other extreme, not so yeah. so often, yeah. yeah there's but there's I, a lot see, of edge lords
0: a- out there. You know, There's a lot of edgy guys. So I think somebody who comes across as nice, you have a natural advantage.
1: Yeah, I, I'm good with that because I'm not a politician. I'm not trying to change the world. <laughs> you're not running
0: – you're not thinking you're making a late run up there in Canada for something?
1: No, gosh, no. Um, you see, here's the thing. I know I'd be lousy at running things. Oh, it would be a tough job, man.
0: I think you're better yeah. off creating your worlds and your stories and stuff. You don't want to get involved in politics at this, no, at this stage. Gosh, God, no. no. Jesus.
1: God, no.
0: Yeah, I can't think of anything <laughs> worse. Now, um, we'll kick off. Now, firstly, um, big friend of the show, Michael Kellishim. We always have a couple of questions. I think last time we gave you the Betting and Veronica question, but this time, um, Michael Kellishim asks. The future approaches, and he's got four options. Is it, A, an Orwellian dystopia with Big Brother? B, a McDonald's future where everything promises to be great, but when it arrives, it's utterly disappointing and nothing like the ad? C, a Wally future where we are all 500 pounds strapped to a recliner and watching streaming all day? Or D, something else entirely? What do you think, Ed?
1: So this is for the real world, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, I was leaning towards the recliner one there, um, just from what I see around me. But then I think, no, because there's always some humans who are ambitious, who want Mm. to get ahead. Mm. And, um, if everybody else is lying around on recliners, those people will try and get ahead by not doing that. hundred percent. There's always going to be be somebody to make money, you know, or to get ahead. To better themselves, to be better than uh, whatever they have right now, they'll um, always so be the always Bill be
0: Gates, the, the 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 what's yeah. it, the guy who owns Amazon, Jeff. B. they'll always be that guy looking yeah. for the angle. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the rest of us and, maybe
0: could be doomed. Do you think to the streaming? <laughs> uh,
1: well, you know, um, that, that, I mean, there are worse dooms. Let's just say that <laughs> yeah,
0: there are. Yeah, you know what I want, and I'm. It's going to come up in the questions, but like. Sort of like, you know how they're always going on about VR, but I want VR to be like so much better than it is, where you could play in like a full fantasy, like a D&D or a Conan world, and be totally uh, engrossed in it to the point where it was like you weren't even thinking you were in a program, that kind of style. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm wondering if technology will get there in the next 20 years to where it's... Because uh, right now it feels clunky, you know?
1: Yeah, okay, so now you have to do the research. You have to go out and find... Uh, a short story by John Varley Mm. from the persistence of vision and it's called overdrawn at the memory bank. Wow. Um, which is a great thing about the future where, uh, if, if you want to take a vacation, it's too expensive to use the airplane fuel to go anywhere. So you go to this shopping mall and you lie (laughs) down on a couch (laughs) and you choose a memory cube. And this guy chose, you know, he could be a, uh, a lion, yeah, on the African Ville, right? Uh, yeah, eating all all weekend, hunting, and as as happens uh, in in the story, a school a school class comes through, and the class clown switches all the memory cubes around, <laughs> and they can't find the guy's memory cube to get him out.
0: Oh no! Wow! So they have
1: to, and time for him is passing at a much slower rate than outside. So whoever the poor system admin who's on duty has to keep talking to him to try and keep him sane. Right. Wow. (laughs) It's a great story. That's a a good one. That sounds like a really good one. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
0: because that's the flip side. If you descend into the VR too far, what happens to what's left of you outside somewhere? You know, your meat and bones are still sitting somewhere, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, until somebody decides they want them. Exactly, man.
0: That's a, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, well, thank you, Michael, for those questions. Now, we're going to kick it off with the very first question, sort of an origins. Harper from Reddit asks, who was your first D&D character? Like, what was the first one you either created or played or, you know, the same sort of thing?
1: Uh, I've been asked that before, Have and you? I can't remember. I believe it was a Magic user called... Lanium. Cool. (laughs) Um because it was uh the whole thing was uh like a playtest. That's why I have a hard time remembering. Yeah. Because we didn't play much of anything. We just tested it. Because the original D D was the three booklets. Yes. And there were no there was no thief class yet. Um really. A lot of the stuff wasn't in the game, and the rules were vague enough. Yeah. Uh, aside from Gary saying they're all just suggestions in the text, they were vague enough that all of my friends, we read through them together. We did a play test. And we said, no, people are just going to argue about what happens at the table. There's right. Not so this here. is,
2: this
0: is like origins, origins sort of style, like early seventies, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Isn't yeah. that amazing
0: well, how far it came from there? You know?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we put it away and it wasn't until, um, When the Monster Manual came out, we were very impressed because, okay, here are all these monsters ranked against each other. And then when the Player's Handbook joined it, it was like, oh, oh, okay, we can use this now. This is Jack Vance's magic system. It all makes sense now. Yes, let's go. So that's when Play started. That would have been 1978 where Play started.
0: Right, okay, yeah, okay. So in the beginning, like when you're talking about those booklets, were they available for sale or was it kind of like you could buy them? Yeah, like a hobby shop or something, yeah?
1: Well, it it took uh, a year for them to hit hobby shops across North America. So if you played D&D in 1974, you were at a college in the Midwestern United States, which I wasn't. Right. Because that's how they were spreading. Oh, right. In the the colleges themselves. Right. I see. Yeah. Yeah, And it wasn't until the next year when they had printed booklets out and they would literally – there was a, a a guy in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where Gary Gygax owned his shoe repair um, business <laughs> I love in I his love basement. It. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a guy called uh, Pete's Freight, and this is before couriers, you know FedEx and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, Pete drove to General Mitchell Field in Milwaukee, which was the nearest international airport, mm. uh, from from Lake Geneva every day really uh taking taking business stuff to be taken to the the um US mail um thingy and put on a plane right and literally uh he had a truck full of stuff for business people local business people who were paying him gary would buy him a 24 pack of beer a right. 24 canadians yeah. call it i think americans call it a slab or a brick yeah um and I can't remember what you guys call it. Um, <laughs> slab, uh,
0: slab, slab,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. Okay, and they would, they would, uh, uh, Pete would get a free set of beer, <laughs> and he'd put it down under his front seat, and then he'd, uh, or he'd put the beer at home, and he'd take Gary's, what Gary wanted to mail, and yeah. put it under his front seat, and it would travel unofficially for free. Cool. Wow. And that's how D&D got out to the wider world. That's it was crazy, being shipped. From one hobby store to another, that way,
0: isn't it nuts? Like it's yeah. it, like such humble beginnings, and yeah. really, it, it really could have just died at inception. You know what I mean? Like it was oh, that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such a fragile sort of start. Were you? I don't want to go too far down this road, but like obviously, you know, even I, who don't follow it closely, know the story. You know, eventually it blows up real big. Eventually, loses Gary loses control of the company and leaves. Were you ever in touch with him? either before or after. Did you have a relationship with him at all, or were you kind of ships passing in the night kind
1: of thing? Uh, Pretty much ships passing in the night, Uh, in that uh, I only um, came to uh, Lake Geneva around uh, Gen Con time, purely for uh, Canadian customs limits, Yes, um, for stuff I could buy as as a kid, a gamer, bringing it back into the country. Um, You had to be away for more than a week, so that's why... And I didn't do that until um, the the Realms had been bought by... Which is much uh, later. It's like late 80s, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, yeah.
1: It's after Gary had been pushed out. Yeah. And that's why they wanted to buy it. Um, but before that, I was writing for Dragon, and I was a, a contributing editor mm. for Dragon. And Gary was noticing my stuff and, and occasionally praising it in the letters column. That's cool. Um, but... The, I didn't get a chance to actually talk to him until years later, when we would both end up on the convention circuit, yes. being on panels about D&D and, and gaming. Um, for instance, he'd come to Toronto to Fan Expo, and Toronto is my nearest local large city, yeah. and we'd end up on the gaming panel together. And because he knew who I was, as opposed to you know all these other people out of the blue, sure. we would sit and talk. Um, before the panel and after the panel Because uh, He was almost getting forgotten Really? Because these fan expo Is dominated by young kids Who are into anime sure. and Hollywood And occasionally TV shows And computer games, computer games, computer games yeah. And consoles and Virtual reality and everything And this it's almost quaint To talk about pencil and paper and yeah. This old
0: guy. Isn't that you funny? Because I remember in the 80s when I got into it, like mid 80s, he was still very much like the Stan Lee of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yes. He, he was, like, you only knew one guy, honestly. Like, he, yep. you know, and it was him. And, and really, I knew the name because it's a distinctive name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, how, but how was he in his later, when he's chatted to him, was he bitter or was he kind of like, look, no. I made my money, you know? Yeah.
1: Gary was always a nice guy. Well, that's good uh, to hear. Uh, I, I, I think Gary was one of those guys that um he saved his vitriol for when he was writing sort of I think they call it passive aggressive now Gotcha yeah um but in person he was always a delight and polite nice um that's good to and hear and he was a, he was a product of his time as mm. in um he was a little bit older than me so he would have been born in the in the fifties and be mm. growing up, you know, Ed Sullivan, the Beatles, oh, yes. British Invasion, all that stuff. So it was a different time. And uh the role of woman in society was different, his yes. society, because he was in Midwestern United States, uh, which is like rural, America's mm. dairyland. So it, it was a different time. But he was a charming guy. And and I found Dave Arneson with whom he had you know, huge legal fights and so on yeah, yeah. later on. Yeah. Um I used to f- seek out Dave Arneson at Gen Cons uh to talk to. Right. And we just sit and talk. And it was just like two guys talking about life, the universe and everything, but particularly gaming, because that was our He our, he was uh,
0: quite brilliant, wasn't he? I've sort of documentary on him and he was kinda like a genius almost like
1: they they both were in yeah. their own ways. Yeah. Uh but they were also geniuses that didn't have any money like uh, at the beginning anyway <laughs> yeah. uh, like dave Arneson, would yeah. um he had bad teeth because he couldn't afford dental work really? yeah. um he was uh yeah. a rabbit farmer really? you know meat rabbit for eating that sort of stuff wow um they did what they had to do um and then when the money came along it yeah. was sort of like they didn't they weren't quite sure how to handle it because oh my goodness this wasn't yeah. supposed to happen. This is this was the American dream, but you, you when you're old enough, you, you stop thinking it's going to be real. No, I hear just, you.
0: Yeah, and if they're like, totally unprepared and they yeah, and, and then it's a big hit, and you're like, shit, what do we do now? You know? Yeah. 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 Interesting. That's, that's actually really interesting, and yeah, they did have fight. and I, believe you me, I know nothing about it. I know that they were entangled in legal battles for years, and it's sad to me, almost. Yeah. I, you know, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's actually sad. I have no, no dog in the fight whatsoever. I just think it's sad that it comes to that, and that often happens. I found that often happens in doing this show with, especially when, when they come from nothing and it breaks really big, it's quite common that it doesn't end well, unfortunately you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, And, and, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, you should be suing TSR or later right. on wizards, sure. you know, and it's like, no, life is too short for that. It doesn't matter what beef I have with them or not. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time doing that. A lot of money, a lot of
0: time, a lot of negativity. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I want, I want gaming to stay fun for me. No, I hear And you. it won't yeah. stay fun. If my, if I think of gaming as a courtroom, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it it does come down to, you know, what you want in life. But but on the other hand, if you really feel you were wrong to sure. feel strong about it, sure. Yeah. yeah. But but I've never been in that boat. It's always to me, it's like, no, I want my game to stay a game. Yeah. I want it to stay fun.
0: No, I hear you, man. And we've got some questions about that kind of stuff, but I hear what you're saying there. And I, I think you've been pretty connected to it over the years. I know you, you work up there in Canada in a library and stuff, but you've pretty much been in some way associated with the Forgotten Realms as the years have gone by. I know it ups and flows, but you've kept a relationship, haven't you, for many years? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And,
1: and I want to. Uh, to me, those gamers are my friends sure both the people i work with at the company and all the friends i've made all over the world i mean i i've been to australia a couple times which is a long way away from canada it is a long way um, yeah and you know uh, that and one of them i was uh, one of the occasions i was doing a a, a tour for elminster the making of mage and i had five weeks in australia on somebody else's dime yeah that's nice that's good you know five weeks and, is a and, good
0: time to spend here too you can see a lot in five weeks you know?
1: Yeah, and we drove all over the place because we were hitting bookstores and gaming stores everywhere. Yeah. Well, okay, the only place we didn't go was straight through the middle of the country, but well, all around not much, the coast- There's not much there, Ed, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many gaming
0: stores there are out there in the middle of the Nullarbor Plain. Not too yeah, many.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did
0: you go to Tassie? Can I just ask? I came from Tassie originally. No. No, no.
2: yeah. Hobart, Tasmania.
0: Hobart, Tasmania, when I was growing up there they had actually quite an active gaming D&D scene. Um, like, it, very much the kind of scene you'd be familiar with, like in colleges and in high schools, and they had, like, a little hobby shop, and it was it was definitely down there. Now, turning to something that you recently did, I purchased um, the Red Wizards of Thay book that you, you recently did, uh, which was interesting. Um, I wanted you to... I, I started reading... Well, I've read quite a lot of it, actually, and it seemed to me... I remember the Red Wizards of Thay, they were out and out evil. It seemed as if the civilization was slightly less evil than it used to be. Am I, am I right? Has there kind of been a bit of a softening on the old Red Wizards?
1: Well, it's like this. They set up these trade enclaves all over the world to yes. try and spread the tentacles. And here's the thing. When you live with somebody else in somebody else's backyard, yeah, they stop being the mysterious other. And they become people you know. Mm. And if somebody who's faceless and far away but your boss says, okay, it's time to rise up and kill all those people, you go, now, wait a minute. Yeah, These are my friends now, number one. And number two, the other thing is, um, Say was traditionally a slaving empire.
0: I was going to ask that because it seems as if the the slaves now are zombies, and
1: uh, I remember the slaves are a big thing, yeah. That's the thing. Zass Tam, whose big thing, he's a necromancer, you know, he, he figured out, you know, if we have undead as slaves, we don't have to feed them. Yeah. And so this big cost goes away. Yeah. Why didn't we think of this before? And, <laughs> and now there are drawbacks to Tam's approach, not in the slavery thing, but what he's doing is he also wants to be surrounded by yes men yeah because he discovers that his zulkirs as he knows because he rose up through the ranks of the zulkirs um they're personally ambitious so they're never really on your side they're always waiting for you to falter and then they can stick the knife in yes so he started replacing the zulkirs with undead the perfect yes men yeah he controls them that is good for him but it's a flaw in that he never gets any different perspectives on things. He never gets somebody standing up to him saying, you know, that's the stupidest. It's, it's idea like I an I've echo heard. chamber almost. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Uh, yeah. Right. So like, like, like real world rulers who, who surround themselves with, or and he's a
0: leech too, isn't he? He's a leech. Yes. Which oh, yeah, is yeah. for those who don't know, because we have a lot of comic book fans who aren't D D fans. Correct. If I'm wrong, Ed going off my memory here, the leech is like a magic magician, He's gotten so powerful, he somehow kind of lives beyond death, and he's like a skeleton, but he's alive with a mind. Am I right?
1: That's right. He turns himself into undead by a ritual process. He has (laughs) a phylactery, (laughs) which, of course, being as it's, uh, Gary didn't know any better, again, of his time. Uh, That's sort of a little offensive to Jewish people, because the phylactery is the little square box with. A a bit of the holy Torah in it, you know, that you see on guys' foreheads if they're Orthodox Jews. Okay. Um. Uh. But he used that name for the phylactery, and the phylactery is the sort of soul repository of the lich. Wow. As in, he creates something to put his soul into the magic jars. Are they always
0: evil, or are they good sometimes?
1: Uh, They were originally all evil. I was asked to create good liches. Uh, for the game, I love uh, editorially, because <laughs> yeah. I was I was writing as a as a freelancer, and so the Arch Lich that I put into Lost Ships, the Spelljammer yeah. original spell uh, spelljammer supplement, that was the first good lich, and I've had others since the Norn, or who are the Elvish um El- Elven liches in Mistranor that guard the tombs of the Elven families. Right. They dedicate themselves to lichdom to guard everybody else in the family's bones
0: very dedicated aren't they security guards really like yeah it's very dedicated to, to to become a lich just to guard a tomb i'd be like you know what maybe i might just die <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah that, that's somebody else's job yeah i'm like <laughs>
0: seems like a lot of work
1: yeah, that's, that's a lot of hanging around smoking cigarettes, you know? Yeah. Gazing into eternity.
0: Exactly, yeah. you get very nihilistic, I think. You'd be like, this yeah. is what it all boils down to. We've got to guard someone's tomb, but we can't die. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So um, I had a question. So I, I remember the Red Wizards, yeah, they definitely set up shops. They were often to be seen like in a market kind of thing. and That's right. Yeah, and selling items and stuff. But they were also evil, and what I remember—I don't know if you ever played Assassin's Creed. They've got the um, hidden ones, which sell items in the markets, and they sell like you go to them and they sell you different, um, you know, paraphernalia, like really expensive items. Like you know what I mean? Like if you've played the yeah. game for a million years, it's that kind of a thing. So I also remember that the um, old red wizards—they used to have this weird circle spell casting thing. There was some dynamic to it where they could sort of become more powerful by drawing their apprentices sort of in the circle spells. Do you yep. remember this? Yeah. Is that yep. still a thing or was that abolished? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Uh, it's, it's in that, it's in that um, Red Wizards of Thay book, cool. the Land of the Red Wizards, that I did with Alex Cameron and Alan Patrick. And uh, I have a, uh, a friend and a fan, Joaquin mm. Lippincott, who is um, running my Patreon right now. And, and uh, he's also working on uh, improved, rejiggered, Circle Magic, cool. and I'm no doubt will publish that in the fullness of time. And the whole point of Circle Magic, and I did this earlier than than the Red Wizards. Mm. I did it with my own spell singers, the original spell singers, because there's a story I wrote long before D anD D was a game called The Spell Sword, and it's about spell singers. And the spell singers are these ladies who dance in a circle. Mm and cast a spell. And the whole shtick of this, it's the same thing. It's circle magic. Yeah. But the whole shtick is if you capture one of these people and you try and torture them or coerce them or blackmail them in some way to cast spells for you, if you're an evil king type thing doing that, they literally can't do that spell that you saw them cast on their own. They need they need the group. Yeah. So that's cool. It avails you nothing to capture them all, and I—I I built that. Well, unless because, you capture um, the whole group. <laughs> yeah, unless you capture the whole group, but the point is, some of them are going to die fighting you. That's a good point. So you don't, you know, yeah. capture the whole group, and and I set that up deliberately because I didn't want that sort of coercive, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thing to happen in my uh, role playing campaign because. For, for one thing it was i considered it cheap they were they were getting a a a lovely result on the cheap that they shouldn't have gotten
0: yeah definitely definitely and in your um this is a question when you're i mean obviously i i imagine you have dm'd like hundreds if not thousands of times um, do, when you, do you play with people sometimes who you get guys like me who are just hopeless, who just know the rules and we, we our role playing skills are, are minimal. You know what I mean? Like I cast orange blast. I, I move here. I do this. I do that. Do you get people who come in and they are a red wizard and they're like into it? And like, they might be wearing a costume or, you know, they, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, they're yeah. really full on. Like that must be interesting as just as a person, yeah. you know, like it's cool.
1: Oh yeah. And okay. Uh, We, in the Home Realms campaign, you know, like the people I've played with for low 50, almost 50 years, whatever. Um, um, Now, we don't usually, um, we don't usually put on costumes. Sure. But what we do is full-on ham acting. I love it. So when we... Uh, a typical Home Realms play session will be three or four hours of intrigue. We might not draw our weapons. Yeah. Or if we do, we might draw them just to threaten. Like, you know, that that scene in... Uh, there's been several... Um, you know, they redo the Three Musketeers as different movies oh, yeah. every 10 years or so. Well, in more than one of them, there's been a scene where one of the musketeers just starts to draw his sword out of the scabbard yep. with finger and thumb. And the people he's going to fight run like heck when they yeah. see that and
0: they're intimidated by the yeah. skill yeah
1: yeah so it's that i i've done that sort of thing they will they will draw their swords just enough to have somebody go oh and, yeah. and back off and so there's no fighting what we're doing instead is we're role-playing we're talking to shopkeepers yeah we're we're schmoozing with nobles we're we're cozying up to somebody and say pretty good my lord or they'd say they'll nice palace you got here be a pity <laughs> if something happened to it <laughs> you know so um we do that sort of thing. it's a so, story yeah, it's a story yeah, really. yeah. We're, we're role-playing and having darn good fun doing are,
0: are it. you and, always the dm or do you sometimes their player
1: uh i'm you i'm usually the dm but yes yeah. i i often play and and i've done tons and tons of play tests over the years
0: because sometimes it must be fun so. for you to say you know what i'm just gonna play today i'm just gonna be a player yep. character and just enjoy myself because dm yeah. to me it's always a i've not i've done some of it when i was younger it's a much tougher job than a player in my opinion oh you know? sure
1: yeah yeah but uh here's the thing if we're role-playing in the realms mm usually, if the people have access to the guy who created it, sure. they want him to run it, because they want to see of course, yeah. what, what funny voice I put on for Elminster or whatever. How, no, I get that.
0: Of course, man, They want Elminster. Yeah. They want the full package. No, I just want it with your buddies, you know, your guys you've oh, known yeah. for a million years, you know. Um, with them, it's a different relationship, I imagine. Oh, like, yeah. You know, yeah. And
1: we always want to play... There are times when we don't play D&D. We play... Um, uh, one of my friends, his name is Jim, mm. and He's known affectionately amongst us as <laughs> Um, as if there were two E's in the name. Yeah. And um, we always play the silly geem game, meaning he's found a really weird game out there. Right. Like like um, Nazi She-Wolves of the SS or Macho Woman with Guns or, yeah. you know, something really crazy. And he wants us to play it just for fun. Why not? So we yeah. all sit down and play it. Yeah, because it's all it's. Let's see what somebody Oh my God. You know, Well you <laughs> I keep can your mind this... open.
0: You keep your mind yeah. open to, to new experiences. Yeah, for sure. Because you don't want to always play the same game. It's boring. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh-huh, I get that. Now just wrapping up on this Red Wizards thing, I was wondering, and this is my analysis, so you know, take this with a grain of salt, please. Ed. I was wondering the the you know how these days I don't know how to describe it, it's kinda like PC a fight a little bit, the D and was yeah. wondering if um there was Hasbro pushback to players interacting with slave owner NPCs, or indeed even a player owning a slave would be a bad look and did they kind of push back and say let's move away from the slaves and say it's just a question did oh that come up yeah
1: way back when we were doing we had a secret summit mm. um love it back when we were um launching what became the the second sundering the 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 Sundering trilogy, right. you know, the, uh, oh, sorry, five, five books, um, six books. You know, I can't even count <laughs> 18 anymore. books, more like 18 20 books, 20 yeah, books. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. But, but when we did the, the big Sundering saga, right. um, we had a, a, a secret summit where we planned it all beforehand. And that was the first thing. Uh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. We got to get away with, from slavery. And I said, sure. well, that's the whole point. They're the evil empire. They're to give yeah. you somebody to defeat. Yeah, uh, And they said, yeah, but can we just, like, move it to where they've already gotten rid of slaves offstage? Huh. And I said, well, you could. Make some then... less evil, though. Make some less evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're throwing away a, a storytelling opportunity for a politically correct opportunity. And, you know, there were... There was two answers to that. You had the executive saying, well, you know, sometimes, Ed, you just got to do what you got to do for this, sure. the marketplace. And somebody else is going, no, he's right. That's a, that's a game a storytelling opportunity we're throwing away. We should make a big product of it, mm-hmm. which, of course, is what we did with the Time of Troubles and so on. Yeah. They were doing the Marvel comics, you know, uh, Thor, Ragnarok, every uh, 100 issues. Um, if we're going to change the world and change the gods, let's make it a big product you have to buy. You know, so there's yeah. there's yeah, two of those, too. It's um, just and, it,
0: maybe it was just a bit too hot to touch. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. And these days, uh, I don't follow it super closely, but it seems like there's a lot of that in D and D at the moment. There's a lot of revisionist sort of uh, players as well. Like there's like a lot of camps. It's it's from Australia. It's hard to understand, but there's a lot going on in the community, or at least oh, it sure. seems like. For me, yeah. anyway. And, 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 you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm wrong. I'm an old white guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so whatever uh, and, I'm doing and is – And just... I'm,
1: I'm in the same boat. So yeah. So like...
0: whatever we're doing, Ed, like we're out of touch. But, but it's interesting because it's in flux, and I find flux situations interesting. You know?
1: Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the um, – well, they used to have this when we were little kids. Mm. They used to have this series of things they'd filmed called You Are There. Right. And they'd have a mock interview with Hitler or Julius Caesar or whatever. <laughs> Love it. And it would say, you are there. And, and that's the thing. You want to be there at those important times. Yeah, yeah. To, and you want to see it for yourself. And you want to make up your own mind. Um, and, of course, if, if you happen to live in a, con- in a country that um, is either democratic or pretends to be, sure, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. Make up your own mind. Pay attention, be engaged, be a good citizen, be part of this. Um, we need you to make up your own mind, which means you have to be part of this. And it, it is. It's a great time to, you know, the, the old, um, the, the fake Chinese curse, because it isn't an, a Chinese curse at all. Mm. Somebody made it up, but it's the may you be cursed to live in interesting times. hundred percent. Uh, and yeah, I agree with that. As we a certainly
0: live, we uh, as yeah, humans yeah. are certainly in an interesting time period. Uh, I, You know, there's a lot of change going. One thing I would say, uh, I often think it's not like, unfo- sadly, it's not like we've abolished slavery in the world. There's a lot of human rights abuses that go on in the world in, in many, many countries. So it's like, we paint this picture as if we've overcome it all. And I'm like, we haven't, like,
1: no, you have Yeah, That's and right. it's,
0: yeah, it's like so I'm like it's it's kind of like you know what I mean? So it's like it's yeah. great that in these western democracies where we we're so politically correct and we're being so progressive and I think a lot of it is kind of putting lipstick on it. But then you you could turn to certain countries and I won't bother naming names and go there are terrible terrible human rights abuses against marginalized people happening that are way worse than what's happening yep. you know where we are. And it's funny that that doesn't get brought in as much as I would expect it to be kind of thing. It's it's interesting. like
1: Yeah. It, it But then that's always the way. Sure. Um, remember the Satanic Panic. I do. Um, it was hilarious. Okay. I
0: know it was hilarious. Where D&D, but, we were all worshipping Satan, according to the news.
1: Yes. Yeah. News um, to me.
0: I was like, really? Are we?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: And, and, and the local joke where I grew up, because I grew up in a really wealthy um Canadian suburb. Right. Uh, where all the branch plant um, presidents from all over the world were posted there with their families for short periods and then whisked away again to run some other part of the empire. Um, but uh, they would say things like, oh, that's that's that dangerous, satanic stuff. <laughs> you you people ought to be locked up. I don't want you near <laughs> my, my daughters and so on. And, and I'd say, no, no, you have nothing to fear. We can't play D&D in this neighborhood. And they'd say, why not? I said, "Well, you know, we're all out of black candles, and there are no virgins around here." <laughs> and they'd all look at us, you know, because it was like, "Oh, come on!" But, but no, it, the that was all uh, of its time. But yeah. it was a real fear, and it was usually overcome by we we'd sit down with the local minister of the local church, sure, because the good ministers, unlike the holy rollers in the states, who are there yeah. to get money out of people yeah, yeah, over, yeah. The, over the they, the good ministers want to see what they're fighting. They yes. want to confront evil. So they'd say, Show me this D and D and we'd sit down yeah. and they'd say they'd say we, so when are we gonna start play? And we'd say, You're playing it. This You're is it. it. This is it. Yeah. You're doing it right now. And this is D and D? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this is D and D. You're you're playing D and D right now. You're just acting. Yes, that's think, all we're doing. I think
0: I think I think it was just super sensationalized. Uh, you know, yeah. there, there were similar um, what do you well, call it, like scares against comics back in the '50s sure.
1: and stuff. Well, know? that's the thing. To circle back to what we started as talking mm. about, you know, the the political correctness and so on. It's always easier to instead of looking at yourself to blame somebody else. Mm every generation says teenagers these days
0: yeah man if like teenagers in rock and roll in the 50s yeah, You know? yeah, yeah. Teenagers
1: yeah, rock and roll or if they weren't smoking that stuff maybe they'd get a job and cut their hair and all you know. it's so easy to blame somebody rather than saying you know the problem is probably us yeah true. Sure. if you have a problem it's probably right here at home because we are the we are the humans and the humans are always the problem
0: (laughs) and and, and, yeah and i've always said it's certainly out there in the wide world someone's playing these games and being a complete prick and doing weird shit but that's a that's a tiny 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 percentage of people you know most times guess what it's still pretty geeky just having fun that's pretty much it 99.9 and i've played my fair share over the years you know and I've yeah. never, I've never seen someone go. Okay, well now let's they paint a sign on the wall and go. Let's start worshiping Satan. <laughs> it's never yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd almost be interested if it did. I'd be like, okay, this has taken a change uh, of pace. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got a uh, question here from Reddit. Uh, you know, I'm horrible with these names. Ron Solo Cop asks. I want, I want to know if Ed has any plans for a future book similar to what he made about Faye, Iv is seriously lacking in forgotten realms source material that just isn't sword coast i'd love to see places like uh i'm gonna mispronounce this ed ha- halrua or Cormyr yep. fleshed out yep. personally and i agree ed um wizards seem to have laser focus on the sword coast have they forgotten about it's an entire world
1: uh okay they haven't forgotten this mm. is a deliberate corporate strategy mm. hasbro makes money by licensing its ip Meaning, if you want to have a product and you can find another company who will make that product, whether it's novels or lace doilies or lunch buckets, that means you get to transfer all the costs onto somebody else's books. Somebody else is paying those workers. Somebody else is paying for the printing. All you're doing is saying yes or no they yeah. send you the product and you approve of it or deny it and the easiest way for somebody to say i want to i want to play in your your settings i want to pay pay you good money to do something in your setting is to make it easy for them so if you stay in the sword coast yeah you can say you want this forgotten realms thing sure and they say well um i don't know if we told you yet but we're a company that makes uh, bendable hand puppets that look like Raggedy Ann dolls. Oh, good. You can put them anywhere here because we haven't detailed that yet. Right. And that's why they stay in the Sword Coast. I see. They are what you're saying. Yeah. Easy for licensees, which for gamers, particularly gamers who are longtime Realms fans, as sure. this questioner obviously is. Yeah, he knows a lot. Yeah. They want to. They when do I get my this product when do i get that product when do we get coverage well we're gonna have to do it ourselves under the present regime because they're they're never going to say yes to that so we are doing it and we, the long answer to to the gentleman is i will do that when i get around to it yeah, i'm sure, man. working yeah. flat out i'm yeah. sleeping three hours a night to get all the stuff done
0: jesus really
1: yeah Wow. Because there is so much stuff backed up. I, I was on the shelf for a couple of years nursing my dying wife. Yes. So I'm sorry I about that, Ed, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's okay. It it's gonna happen to us all. Yeah. Um but what it meant was it slowed me down. And then COVID hit, and at the same time, I personally had heart surgery. See, all of that stuff went came together and slowed me down. Yeah. So I've got lots of stuff to catch up on. Right. And I look at the clock and I say, Oh, I'm 63. I could be dead at any time.
0: Well, well don't kill yourself, Ed. Like, you can only do what you can do, man. Like, you've, yeah. given a, you've given a hell of a lot to the Forgotten Realms. You know what I mean? Like, You gave them the Forgotten yeah. Realms, but you've also done a lot with it. I don't want you to feel like it's all on you. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, no, no, no. But I, but I want to have fun doing yeah. lots of things. And so the, the answer has been when somebody else wants to do a product, mm. like the Thay product, Alex cool. Kammer, who runs Gamehole Con in the United States, in Wisconsin, mm. a really cool guy, and also a guy who is as busy as I am, mm. he wanted to do this for his campaign. Cool. Joaquin, when he wants to do this, this stay follow-up, he wants it for his own campaign. You know, so they're yeah. interested. So, yeah. And then I say, sure, I'll get to, like, I, I have two friends and, and the wife of one of them who's going to be our editrix for this, and I've worked with them on Volo's Guide to Ormpurr, cool. uh, which, which we've been working on for three and a half years now. And wow. it will, and it's just a coastal city that you probably haven't heard of yeah. south of the Border Kingdoms. Because the first book I did with Alex Kammer was the Border Kingdoms. Yes, yes. And then Say was the second one. And Ormpurr is just a single city. And we're going to get a new Volo's Guide, just like the old yeah. um, cool. second edition ones. Yeah. And then, and then all sorts of people are clamoring for me to do Waterdeep as Volo's guides. And yeah, I'd love to I see that, actually.
0: Yeah, that'd be good, yeah.
1: Okay, but I'm going to do it one ward at a time. So Volo's wow. guide to Castle Ward and do it <laughs> properly.
0: Wow, yeah, because yeah. so you you're you focusing right in. I like it, man. You're really... So when you were, um, you know, let's say, when you, when you sold the Forgotten Realms to them, and when you so you're heavily invested, let's say the first 10 years... Was the Sword Coast as big then? Was it always like Sword Coast is it? Or was that more of a recent thing?
1: Uh, it was the main focus at the beginning, because right. after Doug Niles' novel, which yes. had been intended for another setting that got cancelled, uh-huh. um, uh, TSR UK was going to have their own setting, which Doug Niles, uh, he called it Albion, you know, the old... Name for England. yes, and that became
0: um, the Moonshade Isles. Well, am I right? Yes, yes, right. yeah.
1: They they sank my Moonshades and put. Oh, there. they
0: just they just detonated it. And just yeah, ran something new. Right. One. It'd be oh, funny no, if they, you saw they, the map change as you changed in front of yeah, you. Yeah, they
1: they warned me beforehand. Yeah, and yeah. I said fine, you know. Yeah, whatever. But, but, uh, then the first product was FR one water deep in the north. Yes. Second product, the Moonshades and then we went up and down the sword coast and to the savage north the savage frontier so all of the early products were the sword coast okay but then yeah. then we went to the my second focus which was the dales yes. and moor and
0: and is kind of more i want to say someone like knights and stuff isn't it like yeah yeah,
1: yeah. If you need to put King Arthur in the realms, that's the place to put it.
0: Yeah, call me – yeah, it's very medieval from memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like uh, what do you call it, like jousting tournaments and stuff like that?
1: Yep, yep. All that kind of and, stuff. And I wanted, uh, I wanted a place for that in the realms. And I also 100%. wanted a place that, that you could say, okay, here's what a well-run kingdom is. Don't make the mistake of thinking it's a good kingdom because it really does have a very robust secret police. Yeah, except they're not secret. Everybody knows that they're there, the war wizards, but it is well run. Yeah. And then it's then you can tell all those stories about be careful what you ask for, mm. because, you know, the old thing about, yeah, but Mussolini made the trains run on time. <laughs> Jesus. You know, it, yeah. it, it's the old. Yeah. But you see, it allows us to explore in stories. Mm. What are the consequences when you have a bunch of fractious nobles who really think the Obarskiers are on the throne because they let them be on the throne, and it'll be one of their turns soon. Yeah. So you've always got nobles telling you what to do. Intrigue. And always, yeah, mm. it never ends. And then you think to yourself, yeah, but what if? Okay, let's start telling these stories. Yeah, man. And, and that's, it, yeah. That, that's the thing about the realms. The secret about the realms, it's a storytelling world first. Yes. The game came along later.
0: Yeah, you know, 100%. And I think that's so proved by the sheer amount of product that it's not necessarily like think of all those novels by the way that you and others did i mean there's got to be hundreds of those things you yeah. know uh, 500 <laughs> wow wow i mean that's a lot now um another question i've got because so, i love the realms that it's a world you know what i mean like what do they call it faerun is like the continent yeah like is, am i right like
1: yeah, that, that that's the western half the western of the half. we yeah. see is Ferun, which means home in an archaic language. Now, please tell um, me at
0: home you've got a massive map of this on a wall or something, because it looks fantastic.
1: I do. Yeah, you, um, and rightly so, man,
0: because it, it, it's a great-looking world. It's very Tolkien-esque. You look at that map, and I, all I see is storytelling opportunities, because it's so big. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, there's there's more tricks to it than that. Um uh, mm. It can't be just big. No, it also has to. Uh, it has to have lots of interesting fiddly bits to to quote Douglas Adams. Well, lots of
0: sections, you know. Yeah. Like, like when you talk about the, um, you know, the dales, for example. Yeah. Which we're going to bring up in a sec. Like they're they're sort of sort of they're actually further away from the Sword Coast than I realized when I looked at the map. And I'm like, but man, you make great use of the dales in your in your stories and like Elminster and all that kind of stuff. Like there, there, there's there, – you, you could run adventures. You could run campaigns just in the Dales, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, The original – my original concept for the realms was that there's lots of wilderlands, open rolling grasslands mm. that only merchants tend to cross. Yep. Or pilgrims or something, you know. But your normal – Your average Joe is
2: not doing yeah,
1: – Yeah, and daily life. They're, they don't go there. They just hear the news from there caravans bring them, and that allows you to have enough room for dragons to soar yeah. down from the sky yeah. and eat livestock, and not be soaring down on top of all of your cities. Exactly, the-
0: and exactly, because I remember in D anD D, the adventurers are kind of the exception. You know, yeah, you know, right. not yeah. everyone's rolling around like fighting dragons, like like basically like in old medieval times. Heaps of people. Are just staying in their village and farming or whatever, you know, like they don't really even go outside their village.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, so in order that the, the player characters can be the exceptions, yeah. Um, and the thing is, if you have space enough, but you've you've detailed it enough that it feels alive, mm. then you've given people room to put in whatever they want in their yeah. game. Yeah,
0: exactly, like a homebrew thing. I can put in a little city that I've created. You know, it fits in easily. No, it's fantastic. I, I, I just love the map as well, dude. I think it's great. Now, um, question for minimum opportunity. If there was one thing about the current Forgotten Realms it would change or revert to how it used to be, what would it be? That's an interesting question. Like, have they changed mm. something? Like, I mean, I imagine there's tons of stuff, but if, can you think of something that's off the top of your head?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, in retrospect, uh, I am fully in support of those people who said the time jump should never have happened. Right. Um, the, the hundred years of time jump, because we lost all that intervening history. And in fact, they had an edict in that we couldn't write about it, which I broke yeah, good. right away. Yeah. You were like, uh, this. <laughs> well, I had to, because, uh, if you have a kingdom with an unbroken lineage like Cormier, yep. Then you have to say, how do we get from this king to that king? Of course, this queen if, to if that? because
0: if they're humans, they're going to die, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so somebody had to be born, and uh, you can't just jump ahead 100 years, have a different name on the throne, and say, yeah, we don't talk about that.
0: Was that, am I right yeah. in saying that was fourth edition? Is that right? Yeah. 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 I, th- that's kind of the least talked about edition. Uh, I never, I didn't play it, and all I know is they jump forward 100 years. And part of me is like, they jump forward 100 years. So what? But then I'm like, actually, no there's a lot of human characters because the elves and stuff are like okay it's 100 years but most races sort of you know like you're saying if you've got your favorite human character well he's gone yeah, you know is that's elminster right. was elminster did he survive
1: oh yeah, yeah um elminster went nuts um did he? and and I wrote a trilogy really? about that wow yeah. okay i didn't well, know because, that because a mistra knew she was going to be killed uh-huh and uh it was deemed necessary that this happened right but she also didn't want the world to completely go to um hell in the handbasket yeah so she prepared for it by anchoring the weave with a whole bunch of people some of them uh, unwitting most of them unwitting yeah um like volo was a weave anchor and he didn't know it right uh manshun was a weave anchor and he didn't know volo it.
0: taking a break from writing his books <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
1: but all of all of mistress chosen were weave anchors and in order to hold the greater part of elminster in his brain wow elminster couldn't cast spells really and uh for well, not reliably and of course the danger is he has made so many enemies yeah. that that makes him dead meat if they find out yeah and i wrote spells. a trilogy about that how, how does that was
0: just an old guy
1: yeah, yeah yeah how does he handle that how does he survive? so did he yeah, still have um, his
0: assistants you know storms overhand and all that stuff like did he have all that sure
1: oh yeah be, yeah okay. and and the symbol was with him and she was nuts completely wow was he
0: evil nuts or was he just
1: a bit loopy loopy completely loopy wow. and and he was trying to keep her sane by feeding her magic artifacts which she'd literally devour Jesus. and while well, she was devouring them she was quasi sane for a bit and then it would wear off and she wouldn't be anymore.
2: Right. And wow. so I
1: was telling these sort of, you know, really weird stories. And the, the, is this
0: in novels, you're saying? Yeah, yeah
1: in okay. novels. Yeah. Right. And right. and you see, the, the thing that angered me is that particular administration, yeah. um, whom I don't hate or anything, I think they made an honest mistake. Sure. And their mistake was, you know, it's going to be so much easier for us to sell this. Remember I was talking about to outside people licensees yeah, yeah if they don't have to worry about any continuity and lore so let's just jump ahead oh that's years. a
0: mistake with dnd fans though yeah you know
1: well come particularly on. with the realms because yeah. what is the feature of this setting all the detailed history 100 you man. go yeah you go into say greyhawk and you have to create its own history and it has a rich history now because of gamers who've created that history as they've gone, some of them Gary and you know, and sure. the early guys Rob koontz and so on, um, but also all the gamers since people like Jay Scott and and Anna who's uh, Anna Meyer who's mapping it. Yeah. They are creating the history that wasn't properly there. Mm. Yeah, are, you can't just it. that's
2: a,
0: that's a danger. Uh, Forgotten Realms such a rich world with such rich history. Because I bet some of the characters, like the Dark Elf, Dritst, I bet he survived. He would be fine. Of course. Yeah, he was, like, for him it's like 100 years. It's a blink of an eye, you know?
1: Well, yeah, and and Bob, literally, uh, we had had another summit, not the one I was talking about earlier. We had another secret summit at a Gen Con in which they announced they were going to do this. And... Bob was furious. He yeah. said you're killing the goose that lays the golden egg. He's right. He was
0: right though because yeah, yeah, yes. like, and you get a guy like him or you you guys know what the, you, you 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 can read the waves. Like you're not novices. He's like oh, I've got hundreds of I don't know hundreds of millions, but I've got millions of people buying these books. Yes. You know yes. you know, there's a lot of people invested that turn up and buy my new books and you're just telling me for some bullshit reason in the game where we're advancing 400 years like i'm not sure that's
1: and he said that exactly to them you you guys are idiots but they they sort of said ha 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 uh do you run the gaming company or do we run the gaming company so it was obvious they were going to do it yeah so then he sat down and said how can i rescue my characters sure and you could read in his novels how he did it yeah but i mean he knew right then Um, Because he said, tough. It's tough. All these guys who came up with this, they're all going to be fired. Mm. So, but my job isn't to save their asses because they are deliberately doing this. It's on them. My job is to be there for the fans so that when all the dust settles, I can bring back their favorite characters. And I didn't let those blankety blanks win.
0: No, that's – good they Good get, on him for, for realizing yeah. that. Like He's like, I've just got to make sure I can save my little my, – not my little bit, but my, my major bit and keep yeah. it going. And then, as you're saying, this administration won't last forever kind of thing because was, that was a crazy
1: idea. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, that's nice. And he
1: man. said they're going to pay the price for it. And yeah. when they're fired, I have to be there to pick the pieces up. Yeah. And he was right. He was you know? right. Well, that's
0: a good answer. Um, I want to mention, let's shine a light on your Patreon, Ed, because I think the Patreon started maybe around the same time you were on the show last time. What's going on? What are you doing on the Patreon? How can people you know, contribute? I'll put the, show, the, the link into the show notes, but give us a spin on the Patreon. What's going on?
1: Well, Patreon is very simple. I can't write official stuff about the realms, um, except with... The, the permission of Wizards of the Coast. Sure. Um, everything I write about the realms is canon until they contradict it. That's the original realms agreement. And they can't break that agreement without opening the realms. And if they break the agreement and open the realms, I'll be going, you know, you guys have made millions. Where's mine? Sure. So they won't yeah. do that. Um, but like any other fan of the realms, I can write fanfic about the realms. Cool. And in this case, I'm not really talking fiction. I mean... I can write gaming stuff. Now, full-length gaming stuff, I will publish at the DMs Guild, as everybody does, And but what I'm doing on the Patreon is I'm answering people's questions, uh-huh. the same way I've been doing on Twitter for years. When they need the names of who's the counselor who rules this particular place, or um, my player characters are going for the first time to this new kingdom and they're going to stop at an inn and they're going to order dinner. What is going to be <laughs> served to them on the plates? So very specific I answer, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm sort of your campaign doctor. I'm That's there cool. for you for what you need for your campaign. And what's happening is people, we've had to put a limit on it. I think it's one question a day. Yeah, because i going be firing off some questions, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, the, and there are some of them who are impatiently waiting for the next day so they can fire the next one, wow. and the next one, and the next one. And I'm is... perfectly happy if I can find the time <laughs> sure. to answer all those. So that's what I'm doing all at right. the Patreon. so that's the Patreon. I'm, and what is yeah. the
0: Patreon, um, patreon.com slash...
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. I never go there.
0: (laughs) Don't worry, guys. I'll find it out um, after the show, and I'll put it in the show notes. Please support Ed on Patreon. He's done so much for gamers and and everything. Oh, here we go.
1: Yeah, you just type in Ed Greenwood, capital E, capital G, all one word, Ed Greenwood, and it comes up a black-and-white photograph of me with my beard. It says, creator of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you don't have money enough for the patreon or if you just don't want to spend money on the patreon because hey life that's okay there is a free discord that goes with the patreon really and in that um you can just like come on and hang out you gotta join yeah but it's free
0: yeah that's and those discords they can be very um chatty you know what i mean like there's a lot going on on discord i'm on a couple of discord servers and plenty of people with plenty to say you know, it's all like yeah, yeah and cool. the
1: nice thing about this one is because it was born out of my patreon mm. a lot of my longtime friends and gamers and the secret lore lords of the realms like George Crashos and Eric er, Eric Boyd mm. and Brian Cortijo the ones who are who've written stuff for the realms yeah over the years to explain away inconsistencies they've all joined so cool. they're there too so if you ask a question and they've already written an article or a thing at dm school they'll just fire off an answer to you wow. so you could you That's can cool. get yeah so if you're sitting at home as a dm and you want to do something about the uh, in the realms but you bought one or two products and then you think okay a i don't have the time to buy all this stuff b i don't have time to track all this down because some of these are out of print and they're expensive sure. so so you, you say okay i just want to start play in this kingdom what do i have to worry about and 40 people will tell you the answer that's cool that's that's it it's gamers there for gamers people who love the realms hanging out and helping each other design stuff and prepare stuff for a realms game that's what it's all about
0: i'm gonna join this because this sounds interesting um now i also want to mention so check out ed's patreon support ed um you know, I, I think every dollar, it's a tough economy, we all know that, but at the, at the end of the day, um, you're giving to someone who's giving so much back. Now, you've got a new project as well, and I want to pronounce it, Ath-Kilath, is that correct?
1: Uh, there are five or six different ways to pronounce it, so I'm don't sure sweat I'm it. sure I did it okay. wrong,
0: but anyway, continue. No, no, don't What's worry going... about
1: it. We always just call it as okay. but yeah. a modern Irish speaker, a speaker of modern... Irish Gaelic uh-huh. and you, you can look this up on YouTube there's actually a, a YouTube pronunciation where a ver, very nice young woman tells you how to pronounce it properly these mm. days which is more like oh, cleah. Wow. okay okay but don't worry about it you know how English had this great vowel shift yes back in the okay it happens with Gaelic too so literally anyway is the right way to pronounce it but here's what off clear is mm. a friend of mine up in Canada Called Andrew Volkoskis came up with a Viking role playing game years ago. Uh-huh. And this Viking role playing game is called Fate of the Norns because yes. the Norns tell history.
0: And you mentioned and this the last time you were on. I remember yeah. you were mapping out the cities and stuff.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the the big thing about Oskalias is it's no no dice, it's, it's you draw runes. Right. Yes. And right. it's actually. Very simple to play at the bottom level, which is just everything you want to do. You tell the Dungeon Master, or the Norn, as they're called, but, you know, the Dungeon Master. You tell the Dungeon Master, here's what I want to do this round. Every verb, you have to draw a rune. Like, here's all the things you can do this round. I want to jump up from the table. That's one rune. Jump. I want to throw my drink in the guard's face. Two runes. Because I'm throwing. Yeah. I want to run across the room. That's three runes. And I'm going to climb out the window. That's four runes. That's yeah. what you did this round. It's that simple. You can play, now you're playing the game. What, what we're doing for Othkleos, which you can use in any fantasy setting, so you could use it in the realms, you can use it in your Pathfinder, you know, whatever. We are completely detailing a city, which is historical, uh. or our, our fantasy version of historical. Yeah. Real world Dublin when the Vikings conquered it, which oh, happened in the 790s AD. Yeah. And they were kings of Dublin. They didn't call it that. Athkliath is what they called it. Mm. Um, for about uh, 70 years before they got pushed out, but they were just next door, ruling bits of um, what is now Ireland. Yep. And uh, what we're doing is taking what we've monkeyed with the time. We've monkeyed with real world history because we kept Citric Suarin, the, the one-eyed king, we kept him alive and on the throne a lot longer than he sure. really was. Sure, but that's um, okay. Yeah. His son took over in real life, but we just said, forget it. We want to, okay. But we detailed a complete detailed fantasy city, every building. And every building has at least one NPC in it. And if you get the, there are two parts to our original release. And they're going to be sold separately because we haven't finished them. I'm still working on the deep dive. Uh-huh. We do what we call the overview book, which is sort of like if somebody said to you, I'm going to detail Sydney. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to take about 400 pages to do it. Sure. And I'm going to show you how Sydney works, where the water goes to when you flush the toilet, where the, the, the result goes to. Everything is going to be worked out so you know Sydney. Yeah. big job job. yeah yeah big job and the other thing is everything in the deep dive all the characters there's at least one npc in every building and that npc has because this game has um diplomatic combat as opposed to fighting Uh uh, in other words you can blackmail someone to um threaten them and influence them to get them to do what you want without fighting yep so to do that everybody has a dirty secret Everything's worked out, so I have been detailing this city for three years now, because that's how long it takes to do a proper detailing. But the result is, never again. If you're if you buy this thing and are you using it, never again will you have characters say, "Oh, I can see his map because I bought this thing at home. I know that there's there's only numbers on that building and that building. These other ones are empty." So we won't bother going into them. Or they do the other thing. I know that this guy's get that all detailed. So let's go into this other building instead and drive (laughs) him nuts. No, you can't do that because the whole city is detailed. Wow. I have done the donkey work so you can spend time enjoying your game with your friends. And so is any of this
0: out for sale yet or it's going to be
1: soon? No. Uh, What's out for sale so far is a novel Uh set called the one-eyed king that i wrote mm-hmm. um that is set in the city is out and a novel by the very talented michelle franklin which is a hilarious comedy fantasy novel by the way cool uh, terry terry pratchett would be proud i love it um, yeah is is out but it only visits atliath for one chapter right okay yep but the overview book should be for sale at Gary Con. Okay. At the and which is in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It celebrates uh the the life and death of Gary Gygax. It's held annually by his son, Luke Gygax. Cool. Um and it it befalls at the end of March. So So it's coming up. Yeah. Hmm. We will have copies until we run out of them for sale at the booth. That's great. Um Uh, And then we will bring out the Deep Dive book the moment I can get it finished. Yep. And we're aiming for Gen Con to have the box set for sale. And the box set will be all you need to run a city. Excellent. And
0: And when is Gen Con? If Gary Con's like late this month, like when is Gen Con roughly?
1: Gen Con varies a little bit each year because every hotel room in Indy is gone for the Brookyard 500 and the Indianapolis 500. So Gen Con... Um, shifts around to to be right. in between those two things. So this year, I think it's August 6th. Don't quote okay. me on that. All right, but it's you know, um, in August. Okay,
0: mid, yeah. year, mid year. So it, is it, Gen it, Con, because yeah. um, you know, I've never been to... The, I've been to New York Comic Con once, which was enormous to me. I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is like about 20 times bigger than anything here in Australia. How big is Gen Con? And is it gaming, Gen- computer games as well as role-playing and all that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, uh, it's just tabletop and board now. Is it really? Uh, okay. For a couple of years, they they when computer games were just beginning, mm. they inc- they added computer games and which meant they had full-size buses driving into the convention hall. Yeah. And the buses were set up so you you went in the front door of the bus. So it's it's like a, it's like a public transit bus. Yeah. You went in the front door, you climbed up and then it was set up so you could play the game inside. Wow. and then you exited out the back when you were finished or when you'd finished seeing the demo. Uh, yeah, okay, I got you. So and, how and big they, is it? Is it huge? It's huge. huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. There are bigger conventions mm. like uh, San Diego Comic Con, of course, but yeah. those bigger conventions aren't devoted entirely to gaming.
0: No, they're very movie and TV centric yeah, now. That's right. Um,
1: yeah. So uh, that
0: must be a, that must be like like heaven for many a gamer to go to the, like a Gen Con. It must just be crazy, you know.
1: I would tell any gamer if you have the time and money, yeah, you should go to Gen Con at least once in your life. Yeah, just for the experience, because. I have seen growing men get off planes, get over to Indy, walk into the hubbub, and start to cry. Wow. Because. That's awestruck. struck. Well, it's my tribe.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah. I have
1: found my people. I am not a freak all alone. A lot of cosplay at, at these people. events.
0: A lot of cosplay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's going to be a few orcs floating around and all that oh, kind of stuff.
1: Well, okay, let me tell you very quickly a Gen Con story. Yeah. So right. um, attached to the convention center, if you walk far enough, is one of those indoor malls, shopping mall yep. in the downtown Indy. And it has a food court. Hmm. And so, of course, if you're a famished gamer, eventually you find your way to the food court. Sure. And right next to the food court at that time was a Disney store. <laughs> and I'm walking to the food and and between the Disney store and the food court is a long, narrow corridor that leads to bathrooms that are hidden around the back. Because once you're serving food, you have to yes. have bathrooms. Yep. So, and two guys are coming along this corridor. And there's also a very, really tired black family coming out of the Disney store. Yeah. The kids are bouncing. They're off the ceiling. They're excited. They're, whoa! <laughs> The, the dad is pissed off because <laughs> yeah, out. his, kids have, his <laughs> kids have been at him to buy stuff yep. all the time they were in there. And he's been going, no, 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 because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking he really doesn't have the money, you know. Yeah. So he has to tell them no. He doesn't want to tell them no, but he has to. And these two guys who are coming along the corridor are two guys who are coming back from using the washrooms. But they are from the convention and they're yeah. dressed as warriors of gondor from the peter jackson movies and they were extras in the movie and they are perfectly dressed wow that's cool okay and they're just talking and they come out of the corridor and almost run over one of these little black kids who stops and his mouth falls open and he gets this beaming look on his face and he says daddy daddy look it's real (laughs) And the father, who's been pissed off and tired and everything, he stops and he looks and he goes, you know, wow, you know, and (laughs) then, and these guys walk away back down the corridor and he says, I wonder where they're going. And I, so I say to them, they're going to Gen Con. It's just down there. It's really expensive to attend, but you can go and look for free. Yeah. And he goes, oh, and he starts drifting in that direction with the whole family because the kids are already toddling off after this yeah yeah. anyway so he's got to run after his kids to you know that's great them. and those kids are just it'd just be nuts oh, yeah. what that would say. and guess what they see when they turn the corner what is it they see a a, a two double file of imperial stormtroopers yes. in armor yes. marching With Darth Vader at their front, and Darth Vader, his chest pack is playing the Imperial Stormtrooper. Oh yes, nothing gladdens my
0: heart like the Imperial March. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) and and of course, if you see one guy in a Star Wars costume, that's cool. Yeah, but But you you see see a a complete masked army. Awesome. Again, like the little kid said, it's real.
0: That's cool. That's that's the perfect age. They're so young. They're so impressionable. That would just be like that. See, that's heaven. That's that's yeah. to, that's just, wow. We can't believe what and, we're seeing. And you know? that
1: that got the father. Because, yeah. you know, he'd been, oh, yeah, isn't this nice? And so, and then he obviously was a Star Wars fan. Yeah. And he'd obviously loved the movies. And when he saw this, it was like, we're going. We're going. Yeah, I don't care here. I don't yeah. know what else we were planning to do today. <laughs> and I don't care. We're going. Yeah, yeah forget you about know. Frozen. We've <laughs> yeah. got
0: the Imperial March.
1: Yeah. I so love it. that's what Gen Con is. So, yeah, go if you can.
0: Yeah, no, no, I definitely will go at some point. And, and And I think, um, you mean, you, the people in the States and stuff, they're spoiled for the amount of cons. There's Gen Con, oh, there's yeah. Dragon Con, there's all sorts of cons. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, it, it's fa- if you can go to those ones, because I think a lot of the so called comic book conventions have totally been overtaken by Hollywood now.
1: Yes. And, yes but maybe. you go to
0: a gaming con like that, I right? see, I think that, that would be such a treat. You know what I mean? Like
1: it is, it and it is. must be and packed
0: with vendors too, sure. And,
1: and ask, oh yeah, they are. Mm. There, there are like th- three or four football fields wow. of stuff you can buy, and artists sitting at Artist's Alley. Yeah, you can yeah. buy their prints from them. It isn't just games. No, um, no, there's a lot. There's a, there's a whole business around the whole thing. Yeah, isn't it? and and ask Uncle Wes. Uh, Wes Nicholson mm. um, flew out from Australia for years to run RPGA events. At Gen Con's. And for him, it was the usual long flight. Sure. It was uh, steamer trunks full of stuff that he would have to bring with him and stuff he wanted to buy. And he did it year after year because, oh, he loved it. Yeah. So just do, ask him. He's, you know.
0: I will. Do, do you, when you go to these um, conventions like a Gary Con, a Gen Con, are you running um, games? Or are you a spectator now? What are you doing?
1: I'm usually running games. I'm yeah. usually doing panels or seminars as so well. So busy. Um, Oh, yeah.
0: And the D&D um, movie's coming out very shortly, so...
1: Yes, end yeah. of March.
0: At, wow. Uh,
1: same time as Gary Khan. yes. Oh,
0: excellent. So there'll be a real buzz in the air because, I mean, my fingers are crossed for this movie, Yet, frankly, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Have no. you seen it? Uh, Do, you
0: don't have to tell me, but, you know, like, have no. they shown you anything? No, nothing?
1: Uh, I, I have not officially been shown anything. Okay. I did find out some stuff about it, but cool. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, no, no, fair so enough, I won't yeah. say how. Um, but yes, I very much want this to succeed Oh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. um, regardless of how you feel about how they handled it, and I think they have handled it correctly mm. by treating it tongue in cheek for laughs. Um, Hugh Grant is the villain yes. or one of the villains, excuse me. Um, and, and, uh, Chris Pine is the male lead. Yep. Um, I, I want this to be a movie where instead of a died in the wool gamer saying, e- yeah, when, when somebody says to them, so that's d I do don't, D, I don't want them to say, well, no, but uh, yeah, that's d I want them to be able to say, yeah, that's d Didn't yeah. you like it? You know, I yeah, want them to yeah. be proud of
2: it. Well,
0: D&D's kind to... of fun, like, frankly. Yeah. You know, like I've always thought. Anyway, like, playing it, like, it's... You know, I get it, because I go back and forth on that. Like, I, I get why they're doing Sometimes I think they play D&D too much for laughs in the comics, but, you know, it's a delicate balance because when you play D&D, there always is a lot of laughs. There is always yeah. laughs, you know?
1: Oh, sure. And, I mean, um, remember we were talking earlier about um, do we role-play and act and so on in yes. the Home realms campaign? Oh, yeah. Well, inevitably, there is a lot of... um funny you know the penguin on top of your tv is about to explode monty python stuff (laughs) yes because that's what happens when people get self-conscious when they're doing accents sure of course you know and then then all the jokes that you can share as friends because you have shared experiences all of those jokes come into play and they get trotted out and it works for you and which is one of the reasons why when somebody says oh yeah i have to tell you about the time we killed asmodeus or whatever yeah and you go Oh, do you? Do you really? Must you? you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But a smart person will say, oh, I guess you had to be there. And, of course, they're right. You had to be there. Yes, It works for you if you shared the same experiences.
0: Man, I can think of as a youngster, as a kid, really, like I'm not even, I'm 13, I'm 12, we're playing D&D, and we're having the time of our lives. Now, if you had a camera on us and watched us now, it would be, I bet, it would, it would you'd be like what's the big deal but you're in the moment you're telling the stories you're having the time of your life But the magic is being there doing it kind of thing you know
1: yeah uh, yeah that's uh, what you're doing you're building memories with your friends 100% now the in the same way that you know old old veterans of wars real wars sure whether they liked it or hated it and most of them hated it sure. they have an intense bond with the people they shared it with yep and that was the time when they were young and alive and the fate of the world rested on them. They were doing things that mattered. Most of us in life, hopefully won't get that chance, but we're still building memories around a gaming table of when we were doing things and we mattered. I remember
0: the names of people I played with in that group from like the, I'm talking like eighties, dude, That that, and I wouldn't be able to name ten other people at the same school, you know. But I remember the names of the people we played with there because it was so vital what was happening. Um, Yeah, yeah. Gee, I hope this movie does well. (laughs) Hundred percent. I I, like so it's going to be really interesting. Just just purely from a you know business pop culture perspective to see how it does do. Chris Pine's a good lead, I believe. Michelle Rodriguez is also involved. Hugh Grant's involved. It's got a good cast, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And It's got the guys who did Game Night, I think, uh, directing it. I think as as well. Um, they did Game Night. I think they wrote one of the Spider Man movies. So it's got some. It's got some pedigree, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm. I'm just. I've got my fingers crossed. Hundred percent. Me because too. So, you know. You know. You old gamer. You wanted to su- succeed. You really wanted to succeed.
0: Hundred percent. And they don't... always say D and D Rising Tide. You know, lifts or yeah. boats, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want this to be a movie that his gamers were ashamed of. You want this to be a movie that his gamers were proud of.
0: 100%. And let's just cross our fingers. Now, turning back to one of my favorite things of all time in the Forgotten Realms, uh, Zental Keep. I'm I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, Zental Keep. Yep, Zental Keep. I was always very partial to the Zenitarium. I guess I'm just a bad guy. Before this interview, I started leafing through the old Realms sourcebook from the time period, and, and I found out, Ed that leeches apparently walk the streets of zental keep which i didn't know and i'm now questioning my lifelong obsession with zental keep so these things are just walking around at night unchallenged is that right
1: yeah well (laughs) it was um they only come out at night so um a a curfew has teeth you better obey the curfew and they were the old
0: they were the old wizards but, but the original creator of zental keep whatever his name was they were kind of his followers yeah
1: uh, well, they were, yeah, they were, yeah, back in the day. Way yes. back, way back, yeah, way back, yeah. yeah. Way back, yeah.
0: So, in your, what, what I'm so curious, because I, I know that the keep guys in the little group were always the baddies, like, often behind many a scheme. Um, even today, we, we played a D&D adventure recently, 5e, and the Zentarium contacted me, and I was like, I know these guys, I, I know what yeah. wavelength they're on. Um, did you... When you were doing your adventures and writing all this stuff back in the day, like in your home realms, did you have a lot of adventures in Central Keep with your parties?
1: Not in Central Keep, no, because that was sort of like going into occupied Nazi Germany, sure, sort of thing. Um, and it we really the whole point of doing the realms was to let my players around the table literally go anywhere. Yeah, I didn't have to railroad them. I'd done the entire world. Let's go. You guys choose, and they would sit there around the table and have a council of war in I character. Love I love it to decide where they were going to go, and they just never wanted to go there. As a if I'd been there, we, we
0: would have gone. If I, I'd be like, we're going to say, Yeah, the good guys, sure. so.
1: <laughs> now uh, I have done with a bunch of other people a DMs Guild product that updates the Zentrum. It's called Darkhold Secrets of the Zentrum, okay, and, and that came out. Um, ooh, a year and a half ago. And that's now. available for sale? You can buy that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it's old. at the oh, DM's Guild, and it, it updates it. what's going on with the Zents right now. Man, I'll check and- that
0: out, because I, I, I've always remembered it. You know why I remember it? And I know you'd sold the Realms to them. Uh, we were playing, like, Pool of Radiance or something like that, a yes. computer game, and they were in that. Some They were in that somehow. I can't remember how, but they were the baddies, as always. And we went there and there was a big battle and there was like a whole series of battles and it was seared into my memory. I was like, these Zental Keep guys are serious.
1: They're- oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they're bad news. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, they are bad news. I love Oh it. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they constantly get kind of burned to the ground and come back again. They're like, they're like the Phoenix,
1: you know? Well, and that was a bit of a problem because I didn't intend them to become the Keystone Cops of the realms. Right. But, the problem with um, in-house, ga- uh, in-house designers picking them up because they were the easiest villain to pick up and use. Yeah. Well, the problem is all these guys write these things, and it's assumed that the player characters win. Yes. So they've got to lose. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So they lose over and over again. It was like, guys. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, well, you stop. And so which is why we actually had another secret summit. At which we planned what all the factions were. Yeah. So, I I was at I was in um a meeting room that was known as the bridge because they gave that's um, cool. Or yeah, they, they give all the meeting rooms fun names like, like the,
0: the sad Star Trek bridge. I'm thinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: That's what yeah. You know, I actually I think we were in the danger room. Love it. Um, Love it. Anyway, X Men. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and we were planning uh what factions people should be able to play in the game yeah and it was like yeah but we can't have factions that are pure evil because Mm. again uh what we were talking about earlier with um making the game a little more but but also for the for story purposes sure not everybody can be out and out evil all the time no it ruins unfortunately
0: it's you know i always wanted to be evil because i'm just that guy but actually it's really hard to do in the dm or D &D world to be proper evil like it's just limits the game sort of yeah
1: yeah yeah so we had to give the zentrum a a reason to be operating somewhere that wasn't out and out evil so we we amplified the trade enclaves thing that they'd been doing and said okay they're spreading out all over the world they're trying to do what the red wizards were doing sell you magic stuff
0: they were like really aggressive, like almost capitalists, but like to a crazy yeah. point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, they weren't yeah. that. They, they were evil, Ed, but they weren't like. I was always like, come on, like, we're just trying to control the world economically, and, you know, that's not that bad. Like.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of like, you know, just buy our stuff.
0: Yeah, buy our um, stuff, but we'll also rig the market, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and of course, certain people have drawn parallels with certain real world countries. Oh, 100%. And yeah. I. I'm always uncomfortable with that, not for the particular reason, but because I always think it's a mistake to put real world analogs when you're thinking of the realms, because yeah. then people, they stop thinking of the fantasy. It's fantasy
0: of at the end. Like, it's fa- like, we guys, we get it. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of yeah. like evil capitalists. We get it. It's not that hard. And, yeah, exactly. you, you know, but, but at the same time, they were fun, you know, like I, I yeah. remember them. Like, they were always cool. Now, we had a question, Michael Killershim, his sister has a question for Elminster, and I I don't understand the question. Do you know what are the origins of mimics in fantasy games? Were they from Legend or just a sadistic Dungeon Master? I assume a mimic is a sort of monster, is it?
1: Yeah, a mimic is a monster that can perfectly take the shape of something else. Okay, like a shape-changing kind of thing, yeah? Yeah, and the classic mimic that was drawn in the early rule sets... Was a treasure chest with fangs and a huge, sticky long tongue.
0: <laughs> when you open the treasure chest, that's what yeah. it was.
2: Oh, that's funny. Yeah,
1: and and it would it would bite your hands off. That's funny. And it it yeah, it was lying in wait in order to eat you. Uh. Now, Gary had the mimic in early D and D, very right. early on. Wow, and it was a sort of D and D tarted up version of stuff. That was in a lot of fantasy novels and a lot of the pulp horror stories he read in the pulp magazines, and he was reading magazines that were published before he was born. That his yeah, like um, stuff
0: like weed Stories or whatever, that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Uh, yeah uh, Weird Tales. Yeah, all of those. Yeah, um, because they would be around the barber shop and the doctor's offices sure. of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, the small town he grew up in. So he'd be reading stuff that was around before he was, and they these sort of characters, not something called the mimic, uh, but these sort of characters that that trapped people, monsters that trapped people by perfect shapeshifting were in the stories, and he thought he's he's wanting to put cool challenges in for players, so that was oh a logical one to put in. But yeah, what so he, he did, d- he drew it
0: from yeah the pulp literature yeah. of the time, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he, he called, okay, I'm going to call mine a Mimic. That's fine. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so actually that's cool. Neighbor.
0: Wow, okay. Yeah. So that's, I did not know that. Now, Rebecca's got a question, and she throws a bit of a hard ball here, but I'm kind of asking the question to it. <laughs> she, she targets you, but I don't feel you should feel targeted. Why did you, Ed, water down the Dark Elves and make them pansies instead of fierce Dark Warriors? Now, surely, she's talking about the Drow. Surely that was more of a corporate move. Was it, was oh yeah, that yeah. had
1: nothing to do with me, I was like, yeah, I was like it feels very targeted in this question <laughs> uh, yeah no no that, uh, yeah uh okay, what she has to understand is that everything you see published mm. for the game is work for hire, and what mm. that means is mm. they own the copyright and they can change every word of it after you've written it and before it's published, sure it's not. It's not like you hold any copyright. You don't hold any control. So anything to do with a game stat or the way things are in the game mm. is what the publisher wants. It has nothing to do with the writer. Our job is to make it convincing.
0: When, when did
1: – yeah, I hear you, man. Because
0: I remember the drow. Uh, I, I read my fair share of Drix books, for example. Yeah. You know, the, the, the drow in general, apart from him, were pretty evil that I remember at least. Sure. And did they get a little bit watered down over the years? A few more oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you see, Bob introduced the the idea that there could be a good drow, and that was Drizzt. Yes, but he was the um,
0: exception, I remember.
1: Yeah, he was the exception. And he sort of rebelled against the teachings of Loth, the yes. spider goddess. And yeah. there's actually a book out now uh. that you can buy in the bookstores called The Tao of Drizzt, which is all of his philosophical stuff taken um expanded but and also did, the did bob write that
0: did bob write that yeah yeah, oh, yeah.
1: that's cool yeah, yeah okay it's cool. all it's all his philosophies i uh, hit um awesome. what what some people who don't like them call his boy scout philosophies you know oh um, sure. i can see it here but, i'm looking
0: at it on amazon right now kids yeah. so you can it's available
1: yep but but uh, watering down that's nothing to do with me so i don't feel targeted because no. it's like it's nothing to do with me no, um yeah. that's, no that's, I, that's, I that, have, that's wizards and hasbro yeah. i imagine you know yeah I have one tiny thing to add to the previous question about the mimic. Yes. Um, When Gary was growing up in this small Midwestern town, Uh he in the five and dime stores, and they still had five and dime stores back then, then. he bought these bags of plastic kids, monsters, weird dinosaur type things, monsters. Uh. And he was playing with these as a little kid. Guess what? Some of them made the into the game as official D and D monsters with new names and backstories and everything. But you can clearly see what miniature they came from. That's cool.
0: I mean, it's it's like, predictable. I mean, it's what I would expect. Yeah. You know, because he's drawing from. I imagine, dude. I you got to be honest. If you're writing a monster manual. I reckon the first twenty monsters pretty easy, and then suddenly you're like, you know, if you don't have all the back, now it's easy. There's so much out there, but imagine you're you're at the start. You get to twenty, like, okay, what now? You know, yeah, it would be. Yeah. You, of course, you're drawing on it wherever you can draw stuff from. You're looking around the room, like, what's this? I'm going to make a monster based on an elephant mixed with a, an eagle. You know,
1: ah, <laughs> and that is the key. If you're a little ch- a little kid and somebody says, "Tell me about a scary monster," yeah, the only thing you can come up with is pieces of critters you've seen yeah. either on TV or in real because you're you you can only put it together with things you can conceive of or sure. visualize or yeah. imagine and that's what you're drawing on what you've seen which is why they always used to tell writers when I was you know a kid see the world write what you know 100% yeah and w- I tried that as a young kid I would g- you know they'd say what's it like to wake up in a graveyard okay go do it awesome what what's it like to see a sunrise over a misty lake go and do it you know so.
0: yeah, yeah well i mean there's a element of truth to that i mean i've written three books and there is an element of truth to that where it's like once you've some things you experience uh if you're a writer they kind of get ingrained in your brain and you can use them as fuel you know yeah um uh, yeah that's interesting so uh kenny the sad hulk guy wants to know if you are writing a new elminster book um he's hungry for more
1: i would love to write a new elminster book uh i am way too busy doing the things i'm legally allowed to publish sure one of the things you can't do at the dm's guild is publish realms fiction the reason for that is um random house yes penguin random house is it now is and yes, they have corporate offices in Sydney right at the foot of the bridge. Yep. Across the harbor most. Um They have the exclusive contract to distribute D&D novels. Right. And therefore, we can't have people self-publishing on the Guild, um, POD or other, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah you can't um, just put so, a book out there. Yeah. yeah. So they just said no to fiction. and. Bob's novels that are being published now, the most recent yes. ones, are being published because HarperCollins licensed the rights to do that. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's, okay. a, the, the, he's sold
1: millions of those, you know. Yes, like, exactly.
0: But, but, but by and, the same token, um, he might be the, you know, he everyone knows him, but a lot of those novels sold well. I, I think it's a mistake for them to have pulled back from that, you know?
1: True. Uh, however, and... This has nothing to do with D&D. Mm. This has to do with Hasbro. Yeah. When Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast, mm. the then head of book department, Brian Thompson, who is no longer with us. He died, um, I think, 2008. Rest 18, in pace, Brian. 18, yeah, a long uh, time ago. Yeah. Anyway, he said, okay, the party's over. Start looking for new work. Wow, um, really? He, he, because yeah. Hasbro is not a book publishing company. They have shed the book publishing arm of every company they've ever swallowed.
0: why not license it out to someone who knows what they're doing, you know?
1: Ah, and you would think. But um, again, um, we are looking at the game from common sense and what we'd like to see happen with the game. Sure. That's not how a company executive looks necessarily at the game. And unless you're a fly on the wall to figure out what mm. they say in their discussions mm. um, by applying what you know of the game because you're a gamer and you know and love the game, you would be far removed from. Sure. What well, they're they looking think. at numbers. They're are looking yeah. at how there's a reason them,
0: why Bob Salvatore's writing Drix novels now. You know.
1: Yeah, 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 and most of them don't play the game, no. don't know enough about it, and are proud of that. Whereas we would be horrified.
0: Sure, but you know what? I look. I know enough about business where I'm like, I, I agree. The person who should be the lead editor or whatever you're doing in house should know heaps. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But if yeah. you're
0: the exec, I'm looking at the numbers and I'm going, okay, Drift's novel sold, you know, five million copies last year. We're turning a healthy profit. It's good revenue. I don't need to know what it is, but I'll green light it. I just think there's an opportunity, especially with the movie coming out. Like, is there a movie novelization?
1: That yes, kind there of, are three of them.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense.
1: And at three yeah. different grade levels, like for really young kids, there's one of those novels that's really photographs from the yep. movie with yep. a simple story. Good. Then there's one for young readers. Yep. And then there's one that is for teen to yep. adult readers, and they're all by really good writers. Okay. Um. I. But if you are a dyed in the wool D and D thing, D and D fan, you might go. Okay, why did they do this in the novel? That makes no sense. Sure, yeah. Um, because they have to follow what happened in the movie. Yes,
0: yeah. The, the classic
1: novelizations. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's things that work in the movie, that, again, if you're a fan of the the setting, you may be going, now wait a minute. You True. Know,
0: yes, but, it's, but I will say this to them: at least it's the right idea. You've you know at least they're putting some stuff out there oh, yeah. to do with it because. That is a way, I remember as a kid, um, many of the movies in the 80s, I bought the novelizations for, many, you know?
1: Yeah,
0: Um
2: yeah. And
1: to be oh, honest, I had a great right time with
0: them, do. you know? I had a great yeah. time with them, like, they were, they were fun. So, I mean, fingers crossed, this, this movie brings oh, yeah. in a whole stack more people because D&D, over the last few years, has been on a real upswing, it feels like, you know, um, due to a bit of Hollywood, getting a bit interested, you know, getting those Hollywood celebrities, you know, pushing the product, doesn't hurt, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. It Doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt at all. Uh, Now, I have a question here, um, just a quick one, about the Dales um, and Shadowdale. I I see that must be a very fertile, creative place in your imagination. I notice a lot of your stories base there, start there. Uh, When you run or play with your gaming buddies, how much does Shadowdale still feature?
1: Um, A little, Mm. but not a lot, because they moved on to be the knights of mithranor right gotcha and um the the uh player character who was the lord of the dale uh-huh. Dow Solwood, he literally retired gotcha because one of the things they were thinking about was hey i don't want to be killed and leave no legacy in this world so i'm going to have children i'm going to settle down and raise those children and then those children can become player characters that's and a good idea. if I lose them, like the DM kills them off, I know how to make new ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. He kind of retires his character, but he doesn't retire from the actual game. He just brings in a new...
1: Yeah. Nice. It's yeah. a nice
0: legacy moment, actually.
1: Yeah. yeah, but because of that, we moved on from daily play in yeah. Shadowdale to other places. The other thing about Shadowdale that makes it a little harder is you're overshadowed a bit because it's where storm lives. It's where Elminster lives. It's where Salune used to live. So you're very much an also ran once you don't need their help anymore.
0: It's fun though. Like to get, you know, it's a fun, I always remember it. I always liked it. I always felt safe. Um, It was just, it was just a fun, I, 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 when you started, when you started, you know, even before you sold it, was Shadowdale one of the first ones?
1: Uh, It was, it was uh, the second uh, focus. The first focus uh, for play was Waterdeep and yes. into Undermountain, oh, yeah. and then the we went and started a new game because I I was working in public libraries then as yes. I do now, yep. and they wanted me to do Dungeons and Dragons as a program for teens because the only programs they had for teens was first aid for babysitters, Fine. and which people attended because they sort of had to. And uh, like for legal company reasons, uh, um, societal reasons. Yeah. And good, good grooming for teens. Guess what? <laughs> Nobody came. You know. Uh, and geeks so don't
0: care about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they said,
1: "Hey, hey, Ed, uh, we understand you do this thing called Dungeons and Dragons that the teenagers are interested yeah. in. Something yeah. the kids do.
0: Something the kids do, Ed. You know all about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So." So they said, well, could you run it? And then they they soon lost interest when they discovered that instead of packing a room with 80 kids to watch a movie for for two hours, I was going to pack a room with eight kids to play for six hours. Yeah. And they're going, well, those aren't the statistics we wanted. And I said, (laughs) are you doing this for the community? Are you doing this for statistics? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, which was the wrong question to ask because they <laughs> said to me cheerfully, Ed, we're doing it for the statistics, of course. We yes. don't care, but, oh, okay, thanks, guys. Uh,
0: <laughs> I had a question here. Frigo um, was asking about your own role-playing experiences, and I think you've given us a great insight into your playgroup's atmosphere. It's a storytelling, but what I kind of want to know as well is, in with your personal buddies, like, um, have you touched every corner of the realms, and do you still create on the fly in a game? Um, and also, is your homebrew, Faroon, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, substantially different to what Wizards of the Coast release officially? A few people have asked these kind of questions. Um, so give us, an, give us an insight into the playgroup.
1: Sure. Okay. Uh, it's not substantially different. Okay. Okay. Yep. Number one. Number two, yes, I do create on the fly because inevitably you always do. They yep. always zig when you want them to zag or expect them to zag. Um, there are continents, entire continents we haven't been to. Wow. Um, like when TSR added Mass Tica, nope, we're out. Yeah, That's not what I've, I've
0: never played in them ever, actually. I, I must just have just
1: because it, it, it felt like a real world analog, nothing against it. it
0: was Aztecs, wasn't it? Was that yeah, it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Cool idea, and but you know, like, yeah, yeah,
1: nothing against that. But that isn't the realms that, yeah, that isn't your continent
0: head. that is in your head, no,
1: yeah, right. yeah. So, we, um, and they weren't interested in going to it for its own sake because they didn't yet have any trading interest there, and th- we were literally doing trading interest. it sounds weird but that's what we were doing um that our adventures are very character driven personal relationships so it's we would follow merchants we'd follow people that player characters were literally falling in love with in the setting right they want to they want to go and see them and go and go and see where they lived and um as you wish was a you know (laughs) uh but are they super
0: uh, high it. level? Ed? Are your guys super nope. high level?
1: No. Uh, ninth level is the average level. Okay,
0: so that's a that's a good level, uh, but it's not After like crazy. 49 yeah.
1: Forty-nine years of play.
0: Really? Wow! Jeepers creepers! These guys aren't in a hurry.
1: Because um, we role play, we don't care about stats other than staying alive.
0: Cool. No, I I think it's really interesting, man. I think it's super. It's so different to uh (laughs) like someone like me has played who's all about the stats but it sounds better actually because you you get so invested in the world and do they have houses and stuff like that
1: oh yeah yeah they have houses they have investments um when they started they all had day jobs because they had to make rent sure you know and that made the world feel real the the idea is Make it feel real, but don't make it feel as bad as real life. Do, so,
0: do they ever dungeon crawl still? Oh or yeah, yeah, they do. Oh
1: yeah, okay, yeah, yep. right. Uh, so it's they, a proper, explore, it's a
0: proper thing.
1: Yeah, man, it sounds so cool. They explored Undermountain. That was them.
0: Yeah, right. Really. So that's the group.
1: Yeah. Jesus,
0: how did they only get to ninth level if they were exploring Undermountain?
1: Oh, wouldn't Well, because they challenged? they kept getting distracted into events on the surface, um, enemies on the surface. Yeah hirings by nobles and mass lords on the surface they kept getting distracted and the way the game worked in first edition and second edition yeah you went halfway up to the next level and then you got pinned until you could get training
0: yes you were stuck. oh you were i remember kid. that it was so annoying
1: <laughs> they spent literal years pinned oh my lord they couldn't go any higher
0: because they were in the dungeon.
1: Yeah, or they couldn't find a tutor. You have to yeah. be able to find a tutor, and you have to be able to uh, convince that tutor to take time off from their well, life to train you. You know what? I'm and, such
0: a bad person, because I just remember going to the, in the computer games, you'd go to the city and the, the town, and there'd be a trainer. <laughs> but, yeah. like, yours is a lot more, uh, kind of, not just real, but in depth. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're less of a computer game. Yeah, no, I yeah. I get it, yeah. So, let yeah, me ask so you this. You can
1: thank yeah. my players for a lot of the depths of the realms, because they demanded it and they expected it, so I gave That's it
0: them. That's great. To no, dude, I think it's fantastic. So, have you ever written, and, and my apologies for not knowing the answer to this, have you ever written The Adventures in Undermountain, either as a source book or as a novel? Is Have you ever done that?
1: Oh, Their Adventures in Undermountain? Um, yeah, like, not, yeah. Not to publish, No. No. I, I have laid bits of it out because when we started play, mm. um, my father was a prof at a university, right? And uh, I'm sure it works the same in Australia. Um, I've been in I've been in schools and universities, but not while they were um, act- actively working, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, and you get these exercise books for exams, and they all have to be collected to make sure that some student doesn't take one home and write a fake exam with all his notes and everything and hand, try and hand it in. Oh, okay. So after, yeah. so after the uh, exam, all these booklets have to be collected, the unused ones. Yeah. And they're supposed to be destroyed. Well, the problem with that is my father grew up knowing, a, you know, feeling the effects of two world wars and a depression. Sure. There's no way he's going to throw away perfectly good paper because if you throw stuff away, Mr. Hitler will win the war. Sure. And yeah, people, the old, that, was, yeah. that was stamped on those people. I was raised yeah. by a, a maiden aunt who used to say that to people. And uh, they'd all look at her like she was crazy. Because, you know, Hitler's been dead. Different no, generation.
0: No. A different generation. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So he didn't throw away those books. So I had all these books lying around the house, which is what I wrote all my novels in. So oh. while we were we were running the game i was longhand writing everything that was happening at awesome. the gaming table
0: so what what stopped you from turning that into a novel for forgotten realms in the 80s it and 90s because
1: it doesn't work as a novel it's got no plot structure yeah, what it right, is is yeah. an endless and then this happened and then this happened, yeah, yeah, and then this yeah, happened. Yeah. and then this entirely unrelated thing happened and and yeah 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 if you do that to a reader it's hard. they occasionally <laughs> they'll be like the little kid in the back of the car are we there yet, are we there yet? <laughs>
0: but it's interesting so but but even still some of some of the play stuff every now and then you must think oh that's a good idea I can use that you know something that
1: happens yep. you know oh, yeah bits many of places, the stories yeah. the, the the so-called war stories you know stuff that happened around the gaming table yeah they made it into the game. That's cool. influence things, yeah. So, take us
0: through, like, just, and this isn't extended, but, like, give us a little touch of, you know, I assume they they always want you to be on Minster. If if you were taking me and a small party of, say, two fellow thieves and a wizard on a caravan from Waterdeep to Neverwinter, I'm just picking two names around it, give us a description of your DM, how you do it if we're in the caravan. Like, give us a little taste.
1: Oh, my goodness. It would be... um... Well, as you've you've already ascertained, it continues to be a sunny day, and uh, you don't see too many clouds above you. Um, you don't see, as you look around, just out of habit, you're checking to see if there's any critters on the on the skyline. You're not seeing any, which is good. And what's even better is the the guards running, riding both sides the caravan are watching too and they're not they don't seem alarmed they seem quite calm <laughs> and are you and, rolling um, through all this or you don't bother rolling you're just a, you you're a storyteller
0: or you you roll for a, random monsters or encounters or anything like that oh you?
1: i roll all the time so yeah. they won't know when i'm making stuff up and like when it. it was planned i like it, um yeah. but most of the time I'm not even looking at the dice. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, yeah it's
0: like a magician with his tricks. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I love it, man. Like, even as you're doing that, I'm like picture. Cause to me, that's the beauty of it. Cause I've always felt like, you know, when you're reading a fantasy novel and stuff and you're like, man, it's so uh, descriptive and in depth, but D and D went done well. Uh, it's even better at times, you know, because like sure. you're living it. It's, it's it, it's a weird space between fantasy novel, computer game. It, right in that sweet spot, there is an opportunity, which is what I think D and D exploits.
1: Yeah, you you tell the story, and even in a computer game, there, the computer game hasn't been invented yet, where that has the computer has enough memory that you can literally do anything. Oh, totally. You're yeah. always. You're always being given a menu of choices, whether you know
0: oh, 100%. it or not. Oh, 100%. Dude. Yeah, these days, especially, there's like a million things to do, Ed, but a lot of them are very similar, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, tell us a little bit. I was reading about the Wizards 3 column in Dragon. It was kind of a recurring column you wrote with, like, famous, obviously, Elminster and other Wizards. Did give us a little insight into how that came about.
1: Sure. That was um, Kim Mohan, who... Um, sadly, just died last month. Oh man, rest in peace. Um, of old age, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, he was uh the uh assistant editor of Dragon at the time. Right. Uh, Tim Cask had just re- retired and moved on, and Jake, Jake Chukway, ha- was the editor. Um, and uh, Kim had recruited me as a, con- a contributing editor because i as a freelancer as just a kid up from canada i had sent him an article which was published in uh, uh, issue 37 of dragon gates and D, &D, all about gates or what we call and was this owned by
0: tsr this magazine or was this its own thing it was
1: tsr's house organ at the time okay and and uh i vastly impressed kim because it was the first article he was a journalist, not mm. a gamer, mm. his background. It was the first article he'd ever received that had footnotes. <laughs> so he wanted to meet me and he was hoping, hoping beyond hope mm. that he could find what I was, which was a journalism student who could write to order. Yeah. Because in those days, the game, you, was, you printed a magazine in signatures of eight pages how long the magazine was depended on how many ads you'd sold. Yeah. But then you had to find stuff to go in between the ads. That's literally what all the articles were, the space between the ads. Right. And he needed somebody who could write on a topic, sometimes um, to a piece of art they already had lying around yeah, from yeah, the company. Yeah. And he needed somebody who could just give him camera-ready stuff that he didn't have to rewrite cuz he didn't have time. Yep. Um that and he he would like it by tomorrow. Yep. Always. And that's what I gave him. And that is how I managed to feed the realms yeah. to all these people. Yeah. That's how so you that, even get interest
0: in the realms like it's like yeah, it's that's great.
1: Yeah. So that's how it all started. And that is how things got untracked to the to the world because I was I was literally writing stuff and using the realms as a uh, as an example, if you will, yeah. of what I was y- talking like about, like a setting
0: kind of thing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So is is that where Wizard Three came about? Like where you had the three wizards, wizards 3, meeting
1: each other? A wizard. Well, it was an editorial assignment from Kim because right. TSR wasn't supporting two of its worlds. Uh huh. Great Greyhawk, because they were fighting. That the was Hitler the old Lord. world, the
0: original from yeah. Gary. Yeah.
1: And Dragonlance, because they were devoting all their resources now to the realms. Uh but they, they did-
0: abandoned Dragonlance, which I also love by the way. Margaret Weiss um is a lovely yep.
1: woman who I chat to on
0: Facebook and she is oh, she's yes. a lovely lady and She is. Yeah. What a what a great yeah. world um that was as well. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, no, the you see the only problem with Dragonlance is, and the reason they went for the realms, mm. is it, it took all the resources of the company sure. working flat out for two years. To create Dragonlance. So the reason they went for the realms is they were hoping against hope that they could just buy a world where somebody else had all sure. done all that. No, around. I get it. Yeah, And that's that's why they went for the... But anyway, they, at the moment, because, and this is the problem, there was always cash flow problems in publishing, yeah. period.
0: Because it comes and, in peaks and troughs, doesn't it? It comes yeah. in all at once and then, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and the, the, the cash flow problem they were facing for this was they couldn't publish and support all the game, the settings at once. Yeah. So they were neglecting, and they knew it, uh, Dragonlance. So, and Greyhawk. Yeah. So if I could have articles in Dragon every month, where something from Greyhawk, something from Dragonlance, and something from the realms, the new kid on the block that was selling, like hotcakes, outselling the others like 10 to 1. They could all be together, and then they could point at that whenever fans of the old settings says, "Yeah, you're you're abandoning my world." No, <laughs> I'm not. Look right there. We had some new Greyhawk stuff just last month. And
0: oh, that, I see. Yeah, nice way to tie it um, all together. I what I remember is because I did a bit of research for this. And did you ever bring Rassilon in? Did he ever meet Elminster? Was there ever a certain- um,
1: no? We we had. Uh, you had
0: the other guy, starts with D. I forget his name.
1: Dalimar, Yes, Delamar the Dark. Because we started with cool. Raiselin, and then the problem was, uh, I was a freelancer, yeah. not on staff. Yeah. So, like any freelancer, when you're dealing with a company that viciously controls IP, sure. and I don't mean that in a negative way; they all do. They're protective uh, of their IP. Yeah. 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 I, I, in fact, I can tell you a story about. Um, You weren't allowed to walk around that building unescorted if you didn't work there because you might see some... Even you.
0: Even you, who was like... Oh, even me.
1: Well, even more than that. Doug Niles quit TSR, came back the next week to go out to lunch with somebody, and he started up to their cubicle and the secretary stopped him and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Niles, you can't walk around unescorted. And he said, what? So he went over and looked in the display case and and he was looking at everything in the display case. And she said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just lo- I'm just looking at all the awards I won for this company. Yeah. That's
0: where corporate, you roll your eyes. Yeah. Like, I mean, how much yeah. more do these people have to give you to be- walk around? You know, like. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Like,
1: what are we going to do? You know. Yeah. Yeah. What I- are you
0: going to do? Like, really? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, oh, my God. Really, he's going to tell the world. We've got a new book coming out. Um, Surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, that's cool, though. And you, you, those columns, they went for a number of years. Like, so you wouldn't do one every couple of months or something? and you know.
1: Yeah, uh, and until uh, – and, of course, the needs of the company changed. Sure. The, um, the impetus of what they wanted to focus on changed, and they would tend to – tend to contact me when it came up to a milestone issue for the magazine, like Issue 200 or whatever. Yeah, and, and then it's say, fun. Bring
0: Elminster hey. and Dalmar yeah. and the other guy back. Um, yeah. You know the other guy? I call him the other guy because I can never pronounce his name. It starts with M.
1: Um, Gordon Kanan. Yeah. I... The most powerful mage. Um, well, arguably, <laughs> he wasn't. But but uh, he be. was Gary's character. Well, so I remember. Well there, yeah. They I re- literally didn't want to. Yeah.
0: I remember well, Ed, that I had a... It wasn't second edition. So whatever the edition is that was in the 80s before second edition, hardcover of that guy... Um, I only know it was that guy because it said it in the text somewhere, and he's like, he's like o- he's got a big magic book in front of him, and he's opening a door or something. Like, yeah. And it was a very striking image, and I used to look at that image and think, man, that is such a beautifully sort of painted, evocative image, and I believe that was that Mordecai guy. Um, yes, it was. He yeah. looked super evil. Was he evil? He looked evil.
1: Uh, not really. No. Uh, the, the Circle of Eight, one of them, the... the they now refer to him as rary the traitor um went went evil was influenced by evil and killed some of the others like right. Oda Luke. um but no um they were mainly uh nasty if you got in their way because okay, they cool. were power mad. they were mages he looked and they powerful man I, it hand. always
0: struck me as a, you you know uh, i think it was a lot of that dnd art at the time it was very yeah. evocative you know, like, yeah. I could imagine someone showing you a picture of that and saying, Ed, write me, give me three pages on this. And you go, yeah, okay, I can, because it's so evocative, yep. you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I've yep. got a question for you. I, b- by the way, in research for this interview, I, I got a collection of your stories, and I had the original story you wrote for, for The God Realms. It was called One Comes Unheralded to Zerta. Did you actually write that when you were eight? Yep. Really? I.
1: I yeah. It's very well written Um, for an eight-year-old. I wrote that that when I was six.
0: And did you edit it, like, for this collection? Or was was it that...
1: Um, Okay, what I did was edit it when I was eight... Sure. ...to cobble together bits and pieces of two stories to make it have a little more um, plot. Sure. It's Um, kind of a
0: meeting in a tavern and and crazy shit's happening.
1: I, I put together stories that had been separate because i was very young and i was writing for the hell of it yeah and um yeah uh yeah, you, so weren't, was, you weren't
0: writing for tsr
1: no <laughs> they TSR went around didn't exist. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah um i was writing i started writing when i was five right. and all i was doing was writing pastiches copies sure. of stuff i read in my father's den which was he had all the classics of fantasy like all the, and, all the Robert E. Howards
0: and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything. That's cool. And I would read them and I come pounding upstairs. I used to embarrass the hell out of him because he'd have like a house full of, you know, four um, it, generals and, and radar guys. Cause he was a radar guy. Right. Um, um, and I, I, he'd have a, um a, a, a house full of them. And I come pounding up the stairs, <laughs> um, holding out, Owl Hoot Trail, she was staked out, nude in the sun to die, which would be a, a lurid paperback from the, from the 1940s. And I'd say, Dad, Dad, this one was great. Do you have another one like this? Where's the next one? He's like, and, and get he'd out of the weird, room, again. son. Yeah, son, son. Uh, 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 we'll talk about that later. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, when you're a bit but, older.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but Dad, Dad, and he'd say, well, you know, son, son, if you want another one of those, you're going to have to write it yourself because that author died in 1942. Great oh. encouragement
0: to a young writer. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I would pound back downstairs. And my Aunt Clara, who grew up on a farm through two world wars and a depression, as I say again, yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't throw anything out. And yeah. one of the things that farmers, farmers never bought paper, no. ever. What farmers did was go and buy groceries. And yes. they got brown paper bags. Yes. And you you iron the brown paper bag flat and you slid it up the sides with a carving knife and you use that for your paper to write on. Yeah. And she just did that out of habit on the farm. And now that she was raising three kids because there was no mother around anymore. Sure. She did the same thing with the paper and that's what we wrote on. So we had stacks of, and, and what my younger sister's, or crayoning on, yeah. because that's how old they were. Sure. So I was writing stuff. I would pound back down to the den, and I'd write a copy of whatever I was reading, if it was Booth Tarkington, or it was Rudyard Kipling, yeah. or it was, um, Robert E. Howard, or if it was Fritz Leiber. You just uh, keep it rolling.
0: You just hear yeah. more adventures now, the gr- of the Mouser and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, They were terribly bad.
0: Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter I'm, at
1: that age. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just, I want more of this stuff. I desperately want to read What Happens Next. And my dad has just told me the only way I'm ever going to get to read that is if I write it myself. OK, I'm going to write it myself because I want to read it. Not that it's going to be any good or not, but that's how I learned to write, good and bad. Yeah. I was copying what those writers did. In their any style. writer
0: has to start off bad, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, they all yeah. start that way, and then it, it, it's developments from there. That's a great training ground. Um, I've got a question for you, Um, and I really did enjoy that story, by the way. It must have been a treat to see your first story printed in, like, a modern-day collection, you know, of your own writings. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, very fulfilling. Uh, no, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but how – in like, in D&D, how important are stats to you? Because to me, as a player, yes, very important in battles, but when I go to the code books and I see, like, Artemis Entree, if that's his name – um, you know, the bad guy in the Drix novels or Elminster codified, I'm never convinced. Uh, they always feel bigger to me as storytelling figures than reduced to yep. numbers, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah. And I agree with you. I have to care about figures when I'm designing for the game. Sure. Because that's your, your job. But um, when I'm actually rolling, uh, running stuff, and TSR used to use me this way in the old days at, at Gen Cons mm. because they'd always have press covering the convention and they'd usually have PR like they'd have the mayor of Milwaukee when they were holding Gen Con in Milwaukee sure and he'd come by yeah and sometimes they wanted them to play D&D to I see what it. the stuff is I love that it. it's, a, it's a good it's a good reassurance you see it's not evil satanic devil worshipping look the mayor's playing it and, and he's the... getting
0: the thing he's hip with the kids look at what the mayor's doing you know like... yeah
1: and that's why the mayor wants to do it. Yeah. But um the one thing they do not want to do is learn a lot of stuff. They don't have time. Yeah, They're no there time. for a few minutes. Yeah. So they would say, Hey Ed, run a run a game for the mayor and <laughs> and for these 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 young kids. You know, so you've got young kids and the mayor at the yeah. table together. Um and none of them have ever played before. Well that doesn't <laughs> matter because it doesn't the rules don't matter. Totally. I'm agree. just gonna I'm just gonna ask them what they wanna do with their characters. And then I'm going to tell them what happens. And we're going to roll a few dice so they don't think I'm just deciding for no, them. You're you
0: make- you rolling the dice at the back of your hand and you're just doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. I love yeah. it. That's, and, that's and you're, hilarious. you're
1: cooking the story yeah. to make them have a good time. Because you make the mayor wanted- a, cor-
0: a corrupt politician.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what my objective in that whole thing is to make that mayor go home saying, I, I had so much fun. I don't know what the – F we were doing, but I had so much fun today. Those those geeks are crazy. Those
0: geeks are nuts.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but you want them to say, so next year when they say, hey, can we close this street for our convention? Yeah. He won't say, no, why would I close it for a bunch of idiots from out of town or out of state? who want to do something for a game you want to have a
0: positive impression for sure
1: you want him to say sure whatever you want we'll close that street hell yeah can i come and play again (laughs) (laughs) i want to be a
0: bad guy this time
1: Um, yeah that's what you want i love
0: it anabas prime asks um when was the latest worst time you rolled a natural one and do you ever role play evil aligned characters
1: I have role-played evil characters in playtests mm. many times mm. uh, for for design purposes for the game, when something is assigned to me. And I always, as the Dungeon Master, will play the monsters. Of course. And many of the monsters, um, the player characters would consider them evil. Oh, for sure. Um, some, some of them are out and out, like beholders and uh, mm. mind flayers, elicits. Sure. But I'm also playing a lot of dragons, who aren't so much evil as arrogant and I get my own way. Misunderstood. I misunderstood misunderstood yeah. many
0: times, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just want to eat you. Yeah. Um
0: <laughs> uh, or, or sleep on my bed of gold, like Smog yeah, did, you know, yeah. back in the day. Good old smog. Used to, if they'd left Smog alone, he just wanted to sleep on his gold and just chill out, you know, occasionally flame the town that was nearby. That was about it.
2: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've I've got a question for you. Callumport the City yes. of Thieves uh, was such a rich uh, place that I always loved. Um, how much detail did you feed TSR about Calumport back in the day?
1: Not a lot. Really? Because I didn't have a lot written up. And by then, they were into that first year sprint yep. of, um, we need to support this setting because we don't want anybody to get the idea we're going to abandon it mm. because then they won't buy the next thing they'll figure you're just going to abandon it so why bother they were kind of why... scattergunning it weren't they yeah mm. and they needed this whole thing written in a heck of a hurry and it wasn't something i had written up and by written up i don't mean that i didn't have details of it sure. i didn't have it written up in readable form it was just in my pencil handwriting so they started parceling it out to their both freelance and, and in-house designers and so they didn't wait to find out what I had. They just said, do you have anything you can send us? And I said, just what I sent the original package. Okay, we'll assign right. it. Okay. Bing. And away it went.
0: Right. Okay, so other guys kind of kind of built on, yeah. the, on the bones, literally. All right, that's interesting. Um, talk to me about the Harper's, Ed, because I always think of Storm Silverhand when I think of the Harper's. I'm old school. Um, in my research for this interview, it seems that's a strong backbone of the realms for you and your vision. Like, how many Harpers are there in the realms in your headcanon?
1: We don't know. Because we don't know for two reasons. The body count is so high. (laughs) (laughs) And the other is, they're somewhat like modern terrorist organizations in that they're organized in small cells. Yes. So capturing and torturing one Harper won't get you the whole kit and caboodle. They'll only get you the the other harpers that that harper interacts with and oh, there are certain harper handlers hmm. who are higher up who travel and they tend to be people like Elminster, you know so oh we'll just grab the guy who travels around nah, you might not want to touch that guy that might be the last thing you do sort of thing hmm. um and then the lower down ones don't interact with those other people, so they don't know them. They're almost so like spies,
0: can't... the the lower, yeah. they're, they're handled by yeah. handlers. I was reading a couple of the Harper books. I find the Harper's really cool. Was that always something in your original campaigns? Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and you see, the Harper's are neither good nor evil, although they work really? out for good.
2: I thought they were good.
1: They are yeah. in, in, in effects, but what the Harper's do is they're sort of like the ultimate union guys. Yeah. They stand for the common man, yes, the little man. They, they are standing up for the rights of the common people. So anybody who gets too powerful, they are softly working against. They're not going to try and assassinate the king, but they're going to try and thwart the king if he gets too powerful. Why? Not because they hate that king, but because absolute power corrupts absolutely like checks and, and balances power. they're like checks yeah. and balances yeah so okay. like the tall poppy syndrome anybody yeah. who gets too powerful they just want to knock him down a peg or two they want to keep him busy right because if he's kept busy he won't think up mischief that will make him a tyrant i've got that's a question only. am yeah. i
0: right in saying that's really interesting i get that uh, did they wear a pin or something
1: yes okay. i designed a pin yeah and um much to the chagrin of the staffers at TSR at the time, mm. uh, because Erston, a competing product from another company, was doing cloisonné pins that year at GenCon, and they wanted some for their stuff, um, much to their chagrin. Um, Lorraine, Lorraine Williams, yeah. um, wouldn't go for it. Oh no, that's that's money wasted. And they oh, said that's marketing, Lorraine, and she said that's marketing. Uh yeah, but she's she 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 thought marketing was whatever her Chicago experts told her right. was marketing. Because so did they, was, they? never release released
0: a range of pins ever? Like where could uh, buy a later Harbour on?
1: Yeah. Yes, and and uh for the longest time, uh we have a candle keep seminar just run by fans. Right at at um, Gen Cons, and for the longest time they were sponsored by TSR. Right, and every year we would put out a pin. Oh, cool. That's cool. And the Harper pin was one of the first ones. And now they've stopped sponsoring the seminar, and <laughs> they they want to send cease and desist letters to anybody who's oh. you know, giving out pins. Oh, Jesus. It's like, so what oh, we do,
0: wow, cracking down on the pin industry.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what we do instead is we make pins of things that have never had their symbols published before. Yeah so they're not we're not infringing on any of their copyrights we're adding to their copyrights yeah. and so now they just keep quiet about it
0: yeah it you Rather, know it's just like yeah. it, what makes it even more hilarious to me is am i right in saying the harpers were kind of the secret organization so you could hide your pin or do something like that you know like, yeah. cuz weren't yeah. they they were they were kind of you didn't go out and say i'm a harper did you? God like, no. No, it was the opposite of that. Like it was Yeah. It was it was kind of uh what do you call it? Covert almost.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and and so the Harpers were sort of like a militant Sierra club. <laughs> that, that's how I <laughs> thought that's of it. So man. funny, man.
0: Um <laughs> I, I had a question here from uh, one of the people on Reddit how was it when you came to accepting other people's campaigns into your game world? Like, you, you mentioned to me the vampire city of Earl Kazar and, and Earl many Kazar, other things. Yeah. So yeah. you're running the realms, you, you sold the realms off, you, you see some of the stuff break out huge, like Bob Salvatore's books, but other stuff as well. Like, how was it for you? Did you just stay fluid with how it all you know, shook out? Sure,
1: yeah. because that is what you've agreed to when you signed that contract. The realms is going to change. It's no longer going to be your world. It's our world. Yeah. And so I, having burnt that bridge while standing on it, (laughs) Mm. um, I had to look on the bright side and the bright side for me was the one thing the realms can never do when I am its sole creator Mm. is surprise me because every single thing in the world I put there, I cannot be surprised by my world. Now that other people are writing in my world, my world, yeah, in quotation marks, I can be surprised for the first time. So let's roll with this. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, that's a good philosophy. Um, did you expect? And I can't see how you could have that the Forgotten Realms would be so popular and loved by many people. Like when you cut that deal with TSR, like did you think this could break huge? Because D and D was a big thing, at least in the subculture. Like, were you thinking this is really going to break big?
1: Um, I thought it would do better than they thought it would. Really? Um, Which is why I insisted in the original um, Realms contract on a reversion clause. And that was, I don't want them to stop publishing it and hang on to it, and I can't get it back, and they won't publish any Realms stuff. Well, that's that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's the reversion clause. Mm. And that was purely there in case they stopped publishing it.
0: Did they and, buy you out in the end, like, to get rid of that clause? Or nope, you know, No,
1: no, nope. it's all still there, but but cool. um, uh, I have, here's the thing, hmm. um, I have no interest in fighting them over No, them no, I because, get that, man, I get that. Because man. the stuff they can do for the realms is stuff I don't have the money, the reach, the time, or the skills to do. Sure. And what they've done is brought the realms to the wider world. 100%. Which, um, I can't do that and I can't go on doing that. So why would I want to stand in the way of that? Hmm. So, yeah. You've um, got a movie
0: coming out, dude, Said in your world. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. Um, it, but you know? you know, uh, yeah. So I, I finally made the big time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope but, it's but, the big but, time
0: bucks as well. I hope there's well, no. a check somewhere. <laughs> Is there a check somewhere though? No, that?
1: no, no. For really? the movie? No, not a penny. Oh, um, that's wrong, man. That's wrong. I good. agree i i feel i i feel poor is what i feel (laughs) but 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 no um the to me it's like uh it has been a delight to watch the realms unfold yeah and i've got to travel all over the world i have friends i would never have made and it's all because of games and i've got to do what i wanted and i i was a child of the 60s i was born in the 50s but you know grew up in the 60s yep and the, the thing about the 60s was, very hippie, um, what is success in life? Getting to do what you want to do.
0: That is true. Having a job. No, I, I still you think do. you should be getting some sort of a check, but, like, yeah, comic, book, comic book, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like, the comic book guys, they get screwed pretty hard. But, oh, yeah. But they still, now, some of them are getting checks for it. But sometimes it's only when people put a bit of pressure on, like, famous people. Yeah. Like, Hugh Jackman put a lot of pressure on Marvel, when he pointed to Len Wein and said, "He's the reason I'm here playing this character," and right. everyone knows who Wolverine is, and so they they kind of gave Len Wein a big check. But like you know, it was only it was right time, right place. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, I've got a question for you. What this was a question from Dem Dem seventy seven. What is your currently favorite little piece of law that you wrote? Um, perhaps a god, a person, a place. Do you have like a little favorite bit in the realms?
1: I don't have favorite bits because you can't play favorites with your children or you shouldn't. So, sure. um, and all of the realms, except things that people who've written novels like Drist with Bob, yeah. you know, um, all of the things in the realms are my children, all of them. Yeah. So I can't play favorites because the moment you start playing favorites, uh, you know what, what gamers, um, and geeks refer to as a Mary Sue, right um, character the moment you start doing that it ruins or twists what you're writing breaks your balance you're sh- breaks yeah it up. you're showing yeah. favoritism and and so I, I really don't and i'm not trying to duck the question i'm just yeah, telling you i fair. really don't question. Um, yeah. now uh, there are some pieces of lore that i like other mm. than pieces uh, the more than other pieces of lore i always love cool stuff about magic that yeah. we don't know yet, that we're going to uncover during the game. So I'm adding it to the game. That's always fun. And the other thing that's always fun is new things that happened in the past, the hidden secret history. Oh, or something. yeah. Backstory. Yeah. Hey, do, yeah. hey,
0: you ever watch Mythic Quest? Ever seen that TV show? No. Uh, dude, do yourself a favor and check it out. It's, it's, it's like a workplace comedy, but it's set around... Uh, the making and running of uh, Mythic Quest, an online um, MMO. Okay. It's hilarious, dude. If you're a geek, you will have a chuckle, you know?
1: Okay. Um, yeah. There's a I lot.
0: It's, it's, it's on Apple TV. My mate turned it on to me two weeks ago. It, it's, a, it's a delight for a geek, you know, who, and you, someone like you who's been like literally creating and in the industry, I think you, you'd have a chuckle.
1: Um, I'd love to. I will I will check it out. Yeah, check in it my out. copious free time. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 I know you
0: are so Um also Demdem asked, what's your advice for people who want to run games in this massive world and bring it to life? And also what do you think of other popular D&D settings like Ex- 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 Exandria? I'm not familiar with it personally.
1: Uh Exandria? Okay. Um yeah, we're going from the the uh, online um live play. Mm. Um critical role etc oh um, right okay okay uh so uh so that's two questions two and, questions one one is uh, how, how
0: do you what's your advice to people who are dming in the realms tell a story yeah. you know read and, your book
1: <laughs> uh i would say don't get overwhelmed yeah the the realms has all the lore in the world more than you can use that it's there for if you want it what you should do is enjoy the realms, make it your own, tell your own story, just and and zero in on the characters. And if you're doing that, you don't have to um, become an expert on um, huge countries full of real estate, because you're keeping the focus close on the characters. And then give them a good story, give them a good ride, give them a good adventure. Yeah. And then everything else will take care of itself. And you don't have to worry about oh, I can't find that out-of-print thing, and it costs this much on eBay, or I don't know anything about that, I'll have to read up on it. None of that will matter Mm. if your players are having a good time. And you can Mm. make stuff up at the table, and you can change things, and unless they are armchair reading alongside you, they won't even know you made it up.
0: That's true, actually. Yeah, you, you don't have to read... Because even researching for this, I was like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of stuff that has your yeah. name connected to it. And, and I, but I made the decision. I'll dial in on this. I'll dial in on that. Like, but it's like it's it's a lifetime's work. I can see that. Um, and what's this question about Alexandria? I don't understand. Something to do with Critical Role? Is that right? Uh,
1: well, yeah, it's, it's Critical Role setting. Um, so oh, okay. If the question is what I think of other game settings, yeah. great. The yeah, more, the it. merrier. I want more more game settings. Yeah. So, um. They broke and big. I, Those
0: guys broke real big, man. Like yeah, yeah, really big. Well, like yeah, it,
1: it was it was. They weren't doing anything new. No, that, they, they weren't. I agree. Before, yeah. But they 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 hit the right place at the right time. Hundred percent. And um, some of them are very good voice yeah. actors, so they can really bring it to life. Yeah. And again, that's something else. If you're gaming at home, if your gaming table doesn't set, look and sound like the critical role gaming table don't sweat it man you're not a professional voice actor you're having fun with your friends just have fun my
0: grumpy little warlock casting against eldritch blast i prefer him to those the fancy hollywood voice acting any day of the week i mean those guys you know what they do uh well is they do play up the, the, the laughs and that a bit, like they do the bards and stuff. But yeah, I, I know on Facebook that they've got like a really rabid um, fan base who's just loving it. So in their own way, I think they've helped d a lot, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they've made oh, a yeah. lot
0: of fucking money. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't swear. But they've made a lot of money themselves. Good luck to them, you know? Um, <laughs>
1: now we're getting to the design phase. People are swearing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Robert F- Robot Flavor asks... What's something in the Forgotten Realms that you contributed that you wish you could change or retcon? And and I would say, is there even something you did retcon because you've had been involved so long? You know.
1: Oh, we've retconned tons of things, although usually it hasn't been me. No, is um, there one where you've gone? I want
0: to retcon this. You know, I want another. Take oh yeah, this.
1: um, one of the things I did, uh, whenever I got my chance, mm. uh, for a while there, they were in love with uh the Shadowvar, the Shades, right. The, the city of Tuls- Sultansar mm-hmm. and uh, it was a flying city it could fly anywhere in the realms that's cool and every ta- every place it flew the local people even if they were Aldeal the Minster sorts behaved like idiots so that the Sult- Sultansans could could win and could and it was like okay this has gone far enough yeah you're not you're not writing the characters the way they are already established in lore yeah, in terms yeah. of power level and smarts, particularly smarts. So unless you come up with a game mechanism that these guys arrive and everybody's brain goes because they're there in yeah. the sky above them, unless yeah. you come up with that, stop having people behave like idiots for your plot.
0: Were they bad guys or? Uh, well,
1: they, they, were, they, they were, again, like the dragons. Uh, we can do just as we please because we are great and powerful and you are but fleas so untoward. even like
0: an know was kind of like oh, what am i going to do yeah. you know that kind
1: yeah of stuff. exactly yeah. but but i i thought it's like it's lazy storytelling yeah
0: it sounds that. like it
1: so i wanted to dial it back and say no if they win in the realms have them win in a way that makes sense within the setting yeah don't cool. not just because i'm writing the and book was this in me.
0: books or was this in um sort, yeah you know
1: a, it was in both games and so the return of the Archwizards trilogy and, and right. but that i wanted to like no no make it make sense because you have to respect what other people who were regardless of who they are have put into the setting in the past yeah
0: there's a word for that like in comic books where they make like really powerful people suddenly really shit for the sake of a story you know, yes. and he, yeah. he, he, you know, I I forget what the word is, but it's it's it, it cheapens the characters because they're like, come on, Elminster wouldn't be like a little baby yeah. to sort a flying city. He's seen plenty of shit
1: in his time, you know. Yeah, and that's exactly it. You have to respect what's gone before because all the fans of the game, that's all they know what's gone before. Exactly. So they're gonna find fault with what you wrote. They're gonna fling the book across the room and say, disgustedly, "That's not Elminster." man. You have to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, because they may
0: may not buy the next book if if they they hate it that much. Um, Robot Flavor also says, you recently worked on a collaborative setting, Tenares, but he wants to know if you've ever wanted to venture outside the Forgotten Realms and design a new setting entirely yourself, such as a sci-fi setting. Well, we know you're doing the Fate of the Norns. Have you ever thought of sci-fi, or are you more of a flat-out fantasy? I
1: have designed two two different sci-fi settings cool um one of them um the great galactic game and uh it is a complete detailed sort of sword and planet uh if you uh the classic pulp type you know spaceships like
0: buck rogers there. flesh gordon yeah, that kind of stuff yeah
1: out there where the big ships go i've done that cool. um and yes i i i have <laughs> i have designed over 40 settings many of them um my name is not on them because that was part of the contract could you just quietly do this setting for us so you're paid to
0: create the world but fill fill it in is that good money is that like life-changing money or you know no it's
1: not life-changing uh it's sometimes good it depends on who's paying you what for Uh, i tell you if you do it for computer games it's it's good money then different yeah it's a completely different kettle of fish than pencil and paper games i tell you
0: what though, those computer games sometimes you'd be surprised by how like often not but some of those fantasy games they do have a lot of lore and backstory and stuff you know sure yeah i
1: i have spent the last three years working for spearhead games designing uh dialogue and background lore and characters for a game that hasn't come out yet cool um and but it's paid I, work, I just, yeah.
0: It's paid work. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it, man. You deserve it. Like, I've got a question for you. I'm just taking a break from the people's questions. Um, what's your position on primitive firearms in the game, like blunderbusses or whatever they're called? Like, I, I, I'll give you mine. I feel it breaks the D and D game world. I don't like it because it takes out of that medieval mindset. But where are you on it? At deal? Well, yeah.
1: Uh, as an editorial assignment, years and years ago, mm. I wrote a Dragon article, Firearms and D&D. Did you really? Okay. And then a sequel called A Second Volley, because gamers that's asked good. for it. That's, that's, that's a good and, title as well. And um, one of the things that I made very clear is uh. Uh, those these things could blow up in your face.
0: Literally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, literally. Um, they were last resort. Now... Why did I write that? Because they asked me to do it. Sure. Um, Why was it in the game? Because Mm. a Greyhawk mage had a bang wand. Jim Ward, Gary Gygax, Rob Kuntz, (laughs) way back then. That's hilarious. Meaning a gun. He had a six-shooter. That's hilarious. And then that was carried into um, Metamorphosis Metamorphosis Alpha, which uh, was carried into Gamma World. So, I mean, they were there from the beginning and it it wasn't a case of, do you want them in the game or not? It's Uh. like some idiot's going to put them in the game. But did
0: you like it yourself? Like in your game? No, no, it, uh,
1: it would change the flavor of the game too much. So what I did in those articles was make it so cumbersome and so difficult that it is a show weapon. It's like in the, um, Connecticut, um, Yankee and King Arthur's court. Yes. When, um, He's doing things to show off to the crowd. And Andy Offit did in Messenger of Zuvash 2, where he had modern earthlings on a planet, and one of them throws a thunderbolt. Mm. And you and I know it's just a gun that she smuggled into the setting, which is illegal because there there are these rules about not corrupting the natives with bringing modern technology. And she's broken the rule, and she, she throws a thunderbolt.
0: That, that's cool a, for a book. I just mean for d and D. I
1: I think it's a bad well, idea. Yeah. The, yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, this cool moment in the book where mm-hmm. she finally, the crowd was watching, and somebody infuriated her, and she hurled a thunderbolt and missed.
0: I've got a question for you, Ed, because um, you were around uh, 80s and stuff. Do you ever uh, read Julian Mays' Saga of the Exiles? Yeah, all yeah. of them.
1: They're right yeah. here beside me. They I got are to
0: some of the pe- Oh, I was going to say, yeah. so you met, oh, please tell me Julian May. She was one of my idols. I would have her on this show. She passed away. Tell us what she was like.
1: Ah, uh, okay. When I met Julian May, she was very old. Right. Okay. She and her husband, who died years ago. Yeah, he was a Ted, writer,
0: editor as well, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, Ted Ditke. Hmm. He, he was an early science fiction anthologist. If he'd stayed alive longer, I think he would have been, really major in the field. Mm. He was really in major for the people at the time. We've just forgotten him. We, sure. you know, us later people. Um, and she and her husband, uh, moved out of the field for a bit because they couldn't make any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you weren't in the United States of America. I wasn't either, but Canada's closer. closer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were all these books, hardcover books in the 1960s and 1970s, picture books that were square uh-huh. and had about 40 pages and were for really young kids. And they had – they were photographs. Um, and your Dallas Stars about hockey. your and the football team. all oh, right right.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like informational so, books almost. Yeah. yeah.
1: So – uh your South Sydney Rabbitohs.
0: Yeah. Good good okay, good she, good good dive there, Ed. Well done. Okay.
1: She she didn't she didn't do one for no, the
0: Rabbit That kind of stuff.
1: Uh, yeah. And she and her husband published those and that was how they made a living. Right. Um but uh and she later um uh worked on the Trillium saga books. Yes. With Andre Norton and so on, and boy did she infuriate them because Really she had the temerity to rewrite Andre Mort- Norton. <laughs> yeah, well, Andre Norton's is
0: like one of the most famous of the yeah. sci-fi's authors. Yeah, right?
1: Marion yeah. Zimmer Bradley and Andre Norton. But anyway, um, yeah, I I liked her, and I really enjoyed. Also, she came out with the Inconstant Moon books, the yes. uh yes. the trilogy, Iron, Percy, Crown,
0: Spur, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, the science fiction ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed the the fantasy one she did at the end and I thought, yeah, this is just like Game of Thrones. I this, I,
0: this I, I think she's an amazing writer, like who the saga of the Exiles to me and the Galactic Milieu trilogy she did. Yeah, I, I thought they were oh,
1: amazing. You know, like I, I do I do too, and I reread them all the time.
0: And and so when and, you were chatting to her and stuff, was she still a strong personality? What was her kind of personality like?
1: Oh, she was she was smart as a whip. Yeah. And to me, um, this is going to sound kinky to all of you listening at home. Sure. <laughs> what I find sexy is smart minds. Sure. And, and you know, the, the, the person can be of the same gender. They can be fat. They can be ugly. Mm. They can be ancient. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm turned on by somebody who's really smart and knows more about the world than I do mm. and is using that um, and showing me more of the world. That is that's what turns my crank. And she was definitely one of those, turning my crank with what she knew about the world. And it was like, oh, if I could stop, stop and talk to this woman forever, oh, I would.
0: I would have loved to have had on the show because I, I think she was – I, I, I sometimes think we we sometimes forget people. And I, I think she was an excellent author who probably didn't get quite the recognition she deserved. I, she got some. I know she's a bestseller, but – I think that she was, like, very good in her field, you know?
1: Um, oh, yeah. Just
0: personally, my
1: opinion. To me, she's one of the writers. I keep the books within reach at the bedside so I can dip back into them.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that, Ed, because you're yeah. really the only other Julian May fan that I know, and I'm very happy to hear that. So I've, I've held a candle for Julian May since the late 80s when I first read the, one of the books, and I've, I've got most of her books on my shelf. Um, now, we've got a question here from College Blunderthrower. Um, basically, <laughs> he wants to know to what extent do you still develop Forgotten Realms material your own for personal use enjoyment. We've kind of covered this, but he wants to know what extent the Greenwood Forgotten Realms is still growing and changing and being fleshed out, as opposed to the published, public Forgotten Realms. So, if, if do these places exist in parallel, one for the world, one for y- yourself, like
1: yeah, and there's not actually not that much difference between them because, um they have the same deficiencies mm. meaning uh what isn't covered in my realms mm. isn't covered in the published realms usually yeah and i'm usually adding to the published realms because somebody needs something for their campaign or i need it for my campaign i still work on the realms every day of my life that's cool. that's what i do
0: how often does your gaming group uh, you called them before the home realms group yeah how often do you guys meet oh, roughly
1: Oh, once a year these days, if really? we're lucky. Yeah, because uh, yeah. they're scattered all over the world. Yeah. Uh, when they when we do a play session, people get on planes and have to fly from the four corners of the world. Wow! So it just doesn't happen. That would because... be, that must be fun though when you have those. Oh times. yes, yeah. You know, because yeah. the
0: old yeah. friends, and then you not only old friends, but you've got something to go back to and gather you around. You know? Oh sure, yeah. yeah.
1: And what used to happen a few years back we'd meet twice a year yeah new year's day they'd bring their hangovers <laughs> and we'd play and uh in in canada we have an august holiday uh, the long weekend the holiday weekend in august yeah the first weekend in august uh you ha- have an extra day they'd all come up to my cottage before my cottage burned down uh-huh. um uh, was many, it, was many, it a dragon? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It was the neighbor oh dear. Um, uh, starting a fire when they weren't supposed to Jesus. in the spring, when everything was tender dry. And, and yeah, but a lot of, lot of Canadians have a hut in the woods, right? you know, in the, in the forest yeah, yeah. that you go to to get away from the Like city. a shack
0: kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And I had two of them uh, facing each other across the same property. And one of them um, was sort of like a, a miniature old home and that's where my wife stayed right and the other one was a an unfinished workshop and that became our gaming den and nice. we would meet for a weekend and we'd intensively play the realms for one day and then we'd play those silly gym games i told you about and other different games. yeah something yeah. different yeah. We, yeah so we'd be paying panzer blitz or um, yeah, yeah why not yeah um uh, Arkham Horror, the original Arkham Horror, the K- K- o- Chaosium tin box one, or uh, it was something. Yeah, you yeah. Know. So a change of pace. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: That's cool. So you're still doing it. So uh, do you think, um, like now, like what are we in, 2023, do you think Hasbro and Wizards, with their cash base, could literally create a complete computer game world of the Forgotten Realms for players to play in that would be a market leader? Like it feels yep. like, yeah. Like it feels like, I know they do games, but not that many. Uh, I'm just picturing they've got the technology. I'm
1: thinking, you know, yeah. But they don't have the interest. That's something they would license out to a computer game company.
0: But I, I'd, so, I, I'd be okay with that if, there, if a oh, game. Oh yeah, came yeah. Out.
1: yeah, And and I think they will do that again. Um, they started to grow their own studio,
0: mm.
1: and then fired everybody and shut it down last year. Right,
0: because it's very expensive. Like, yeah. I mean, something like that would cost hundreds of millions. But I'm thinking, you you make a computer game now, like a popular one, like, say, the Assassin's Creed games or something like that, like one of the big AAA titles. I mean, they make more than any movie now. Did you know
1: that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of money but... has
0: to be sunk into it, but the rate of return could
1: be huge. Oh, sure. I, and the reason why you don't see that being jumped on mm. is the way that corporate america works where an executive wants a bonus in this quarter yeah and he'll get headhunted away and be working at another company in a year so he doesn't care what you do down the road he wants immediate results right now it's
0: like politicians they get voted in and out of office yeah um ellie the tanner asks um and that's a nice title Ah,
1: i know this particular poster Uh, well
0: there you go well here's the question uh ed is a wonderfully prolific author how does he maintain his high work rate and does he ever suffer from the tyranny of the blank page and are you more of a gardener or an architect writer <laughs>
1: um okay I never suffer from the tyranny of the blank page because I don't have time
0: yep good answer
1: I, I don't have time to have um uh, what is it they call it
0: uh, writer's block kind of thing
1: writer's block yeah, yeah. um I just don't have time and the way you avoid that is by having about 50 irons in the fire at any time. So if you bog down on one, you just flip to the next project because you've got so much many going. And you're late and behind on all of them. So you just keep going. Yeah. So, um, and... Uh, Gardener or architect? I don't know what well, that means. Well, it depends on the project. Yep. Because sometimes I'm handed something where somebody has already designed the setting but it just isn't working and they need this fixed mm. and other times i'm having to design something from the word go design a world for us
0: that's challenging. so it
1: really that's that's a yeah. big ask design a world for us <laughs> oh yeah i do it all the time that's what i do i design worlds yeah um i unfortunately um nobody has asked me to design the real one
0: because
1: I have a lot to fix in the real one.
0: I think it'd be a big job. I think it'd be even bigger yeah. than the Forgotten Realms.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid so. And I th- I don't think I'd get very far And people
0: wouldn't would. agree either. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you'd never somebody satisfy would get
1: everyone. Rid of me. Yeah. yeah, somebody would get rid of me to stop me when I was just getting going. So, yeah, it's probably a good thing I don't try. But anyway, um, yeah, so it depends on the project. Yeah. I, I mean, I one of the things I used to get asked to do a lot um was rescue books that people couldn't finish
0: oh okay We're, uh, almost ghostwriting.
1: writing yeah. yeah yeah and and indeed ghostwriting with my name off it but yeah but yeah i'm doing the work and one of the things that happens um i i happen to have grown up in a in a canadian province called ontario yep um there is a famous publisher based in ontario called harlequin uh-huh and they do romances, paperback romances, really, so you've done a few and, of those, have you? Um I have rescued romances written by little old ladies or whoever, <laughs> and they were pretty good at the romance. They were pretty lousy at the plot, but they could sure they could they could copy the plot of another one so they could get things sort of in the right order, but they didn't know how to finish the book. Well,
0: that's often one of the big challenges for writers to pay off the ending, you know, like yeah,
1: yeah. So I'd get handed a book to Doctor. Can you fix this? Sure. Can you fix this by tomorrow?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Would that be by the publisher or would that be by the author? Yeah, yeah the publisher uh, no, would say, No, no, always this the publisher. So the publisher turn oh. this around and um, – Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, Kevin um, – oh, there's another question here. A really good one, actually. Um, so many authors have written in the Realm Sandbox and expanded on your original vision. But which authors, setting or series, would you be like to be able to write in if given the chance? That's a good one. Like, so, you know, out of all these people who've done their own novels, have you ever thought, man, I'd like to play around in that setting?
1: Uh, okay, my question would be, is it just people who worked in the realms, or anybody? Anybody, man, yeah. Well, anybody, well, okay, I got to play in Middle Earth very briefly in a computer game years ago. Awesome. I would... I, w- I would love to have be able to write in Middle Earth. Yeah, in Tolkien's uh, world. Yeah, hell yeah. I, I am a fan of Terry Pratchett and uh-huh. was honored to call him a friend. Cool. I would love I, – I don't want to write a Discworld book because he said I don't want anybody else to write Discworld books, and I respect that. Yeah. But if it had been otherwise, I would have loved to have written a Discworld book.
0: That's a good answer, yeah. Um, and also, can I say, such a distinctive writing style he had, you know? Yeah, yeah. Real um, strong flavor to his writing, you know?
1: Which I love. Oh, it was great. Yeah, and, no, it was great. And uh, another man who I was um, honored to call friend, Roger Zelazny. Oh yeah. Wow. Really? Soon.
0: The, the, um, I've got it here. The Chronicles of Amber, those books. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. The, the Amber books. And I loved Amber and yeah, I cool. got to talk to Roger a lot, um, because w- when he came up to, um, science fiction conventions yeah. in my neck of the woods, which uh. he didn't very often, but Roger was a chain smoker. Was I he? am not yeah. a smoker, No. but, um, he, was a chain smoker when it was starting to become unfashionable to be a chain smoker. (laughs) Meaning that people who didn't smoke could smell that you were a smoker. Sure. And they didn't want it in their homes. Whereas um, if you you go back a decade, everybody smoked. Yeah. Everybody smelled it. And therefore, you never got pushback from non-smokers. They were just used to it. But what Roger would do, if if he'd go to a house party, so we're talking... Going to somebody's house mm. and everybody's standing around talking science fiction and fantasy sure. and drinking beer and smoking. And and he'd say because he was a nice man, he would say, Is it okay if I smoke in here? And the and the hostess would usually say, I'm I'm sorry, but no. We have yeah. a young child with asthma yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he'd say, Oh. And so he'd go upstairs to one of the bedrooms <laughs> and he'd slide open one of their windows and Climb out onto the roof. Wow. Really? And this is the very thing. If you read his novel doorways in the sand uh-huh. at the beginning of doorways in the sand, the main character is climbing around the roof of the, uh, university campus that he's per- being darn sure not to graduate from because he go, he keeps on being able to take money out of his, uh, uncles. His uncle's been frozen cryogenically. Right. Um, Oh, I get it. And he's taking uh, cash out. Yeah. But he can take money out as long as he's enrolled as a student because his uncle wanted him to get an education. So he's turned it into a drone. He's never going to (laughs) graduate. And there's a guy in the university who's an administrator who's made it his life's work to force this guy to graduate by (laughs) running him out of majors and minors he can take as a syllabus. So for the year. Anyway, um, Roger would climb out on the roof. And lie there looking at the stars and smoke. Right. So he, it could still talk through the window to people and not smoke up these people's houses. Real character, so would, real character, man. Yeah. yeah. And I would I would climb out on the roof beside him and talk to him. That's I was cool. a much younger kid, a yeah. teenager, dorky teenager. Oh, he was like a megastar
0: in fantasy, wasn't he? Like, he he was. was big, yeah.
1: Fantasy and science fiction. He'd won yeah. all these Hugo and Nebula awards. Yeah. He was. a a great stylist people were really interested in what he was doing Yeah, i was really interested in what he was doing but i'd read all the same stuff we had a lot in common to talk about and he was delighted to find a young kid Uh. who had read all the stuff because the one thing about a young kid the young kid unless the young kid is totally insufferable so the young kid is not is not going to overshadow you. They're not trying to get their point into the argument. They're not trying to show off. They're just trying to hang out with you and hang on your every word. And he could see that. So instead of being, you know, he could relax and just talk. Mm. And then he could start talking about things that he was thinking of writing about, knowing that I wasn't going to spill the beans. I wasn't going to steal his ideas. He could, talk them through he could and kind of relax talk. a little bit yeah yeah and then after this had happened at a couple conventions if he saw me because i would always line up to get the latest amber novel signed the oh, first cool. one i got signed by him was um my dad's copy but uh. i'd never got it signed and we all got a fragment of an amber story out of it that's been published uh. because he opened the book that i was pushing forward for him to sign Mm. and i stupidly had opened it to a bit where i'd written my own (laughs) one or two lines of amber and he stopped and he read them wow and he looked up at me and he said fiona he didn't ask a question he said fiona right and i said and i nodded and he pondered for a bit and then he wrote the, uh, the next line underneath it wow so the next convention I brought that book to to be signed. I'd written a sentence under that, yeah. and he read it, and he grinned, and he wrote the sentence under that. And we were very slowly over the years writing a story, an Amber story, which I I I gave to people to publish after his death, wow. as it's an unfinished Amber story. I'm so not cool, writing. man! Yeah. It's it's just a few lines. It's like a yeah, yeah. A but just that paragraph. you did it
0: with him. I yeah. mean. I mean, I look. I I I just know the guy as he was super respected. Look at this: six Hugo Awards, three Nebula Awards. I know awards on everything, but I mean, he died at fifty-eight. Sadly, I mean, he was. Yeah. And I and I've read the Amber stuff, and I'm like, this is amazing. I only read it a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. But he would see me, hmm. uh, you know, registering, picking up our badges at the convention, and he would brighten, and he'd smile, and say, "Hey, we got to talk." Because it was his chance to hang out.
0: Yeah, and I imagine in the states, I because uh, you know again here the tyranny of distance. I imagine in the states he was a pretty big deal, like in the fantasy.
1: Uh, oh, he was a big deal. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. Um, uh, some some conventions, some of the bigger conventions, he'd be surrounded by a security detail, all wearing black shades, and wow. they they wouldn't want really? me to get anywhere near him. And they'd say, "Oh, the Mister Zelazny," and he'd say, "No, no, no, this guy's my friend." Yeah. He was, you know, he sounds like a
0: cool guy on top of being a brilliant a, writer. Yeah. Cool. He guy. He was
1: a, a college fencer. He was, uh, and, and anybody listening at home, you hmm. cannot understand Roger Zelazny until you've read a night in the lonesome October. Okay. Which is a standalone novel. He wrote and, and try and get the original paperback with the Gahan Wilson, um, creepy, um, cartoon illustrations. Um, it is a novel set just outside London in which the great detective makes an appearance and Jack the Ripper is in it. Really? And yeah. It, what was it
0: called again? Sorry.
1: A, a, a night, night, a night N N I G H T. Yeah. Night uh, in the lonesome October.
0: Okay, man, I'll, 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 I'll hunt that down. I, well, it's, it's so cool that you had these interactions, with some of these real legends. Like, um, that's so cool. Um, Moving away from him for a second, and I do recommend people to check out Roger Zalanzi's work because he was an amazing writer. Uh, Kevin Way asks, on Ed's Twitter thread mentioning the god kings of Mulhorand, he mentioned something known as the Spelldoom. What is that? What is a Spelldoom?
1: Oh, the Spelldoom. The Spelldoom is NDA'd. Non-disclosure.
0: Oh, oh, it's a, it's a secret, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, I, I didn't realize.
1: I can't talk about it. Can't I can't talk I can about the spell into... doom. Yeah. <laughs> That's still NDA'd by the publisher, not okay, by me. Okay, wow. Um, so until I can uh, get that lifted, I cannot spill the beans. Well, it's, got, nice a, it's got an
0: intriguing name, the Doom. you know? Yes. Um, yes. Now, we've just mentioned a couple of really great fantasy authors. Michael asks, who would the great Elminster rank at the top of fantasy writers, and what does he think of that Greenwood fellow?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that Greenwood fellow's a hack. <laughs> it's a hack. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. I have never considered myself a very good writer. Huh, I, really? yeah. I am learning as I go. Yeah. Okay. That's a and, good job. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not. Uh, Harlan Ellison once sure. was talking about uh, Fritz Leiber. Yep. And he said, a writer that we are not fit to carry the pencil case of. <laughs> and that's how I feel. Sure. About most of those writers, I was lucky enough. Uh, I have a fellow Canadian who's my age, mm-hmm. Guy K, Guy Gabriel K. Oh, I am, some
0: brilliant I am, books.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. am in awe of that man's talent. Very good writer. I can never hope to emulate it. I am a fan.
0: Beautiful writing as well. I mean, I yeah. read them years ago, but I remember he was a beautiful stylist on top of a great world yeah. world creator.
1: Yeah, and he helped Christopher Tolkien. Did assemble he? those books of tolkien's notes i did not know which that. is why wow. yeah that, that's why the fionavar tapestry the first trilogy reads like a collision of um stonehenge u of t students king arthur and um <laughs> very much tolkien yeah. because that's where he learned and each book he's written since then has moved farther and farther away from that it's but yeah that. they are yeah, very interesting. brilliant books but yeah. but that's how that's what i feel um Those are great fantasy writers. Sure. I I cannot hope to come near them. My, I just want to tell stories about characters I love without showing the character's favoritism. You sometimes have to kill your children to make a good story. Sure. Um, But uh, I don't, uh, I'm trying not to rank things. What is best for a fantasy writer is what works for you. Yeah. What speaks to you. Now, um, there are writers that, if you want to understand the fantasy field you should read Sure. Tolkien Tolkien for instance you've got to read um, Tolkien
0: just get an idea of like what a template it was yeah. you know
1: but you have to i mean there are people who grew up with uh JK Rowling sure. who um will will not even know who Terry Pratchett is mm. and i would say oh well you know you can't understand fantasy if you haven't read Terry Pratchett but Others would disagree. It's it's what you you. I, I
0: think J.K. Rowling perceives. was exceptionally good at what she did. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I've got but, no uh,
0: time on this podcast. People who cancel J.K. I think she's fantastic. Oh yeah. no, no,
1: no. I mean, I love it. Uh, and and that's that's something else. If uh, no, that, say, say, no,
0: you're talking about the writing, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I would say to all those people, one of the things you have to learn as you grow up hmm. is to separate the writer. From the writing, hundred percent. Yeah, you you have to, because if you cancel people, or I'm not even going to open that and look at it because yep. you're
0: you know, missing out.
1: You are yeah. missing out on all of the world's great literature because most of the stuff that is seminal, that is important, was written by people in another time and a place, mm. and what they believed you might find totally abhorrent just sure. because it's from another time and place. Uh, yeah, and. Yeah. And you can't blame them for holding those views because they thought those views were right.
0: Oh, man, it's, it's. I mean, agreed. It's like people who say we should be censoring um, Mark Twain or Roald Dahl. Sure. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I'm like, forget about it. I, I, You're so silly. You're missing the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Mark Twain yeah. wasn't writing as a racist, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. and if you don't yeah. get it, one day I read that they wanted to censor um, uh, Kill a Mockingbird and i was yeah, like so really
1: what? like yeah,
0: you're picking yeah. to kill a mockingbird is the book you want to censor i don't yeah. i don't think you've read the book <laughs>
1: yeah well i i i once had a because i work in public libraries mm. um i once had a a gentleman an elderly gentleman who just emigrated to um canada you know, mm. when iran and iraq were having their problems sure like with people in the streets and uh he wanted us to withdraw a book from the library that had a postage stamp sized black and white photograph of the Hagio Sophia. Oh. Um, because he says it shows the mosaics that's blasphemous. Okay. And I said to him, professor, how can you say it's blasphemous? Well, because it shows an image that is blasphemy unto Allah. And I said, really, who would you think put those mosaics down? Who spent hours on their hands and knees? Muslims, yeah. Yeah. devout Muslims. Nobody else would have been putting them in the Hagia Sophia right there. Yeah. So they did it to venerate Mahatma. They did it as an act of worship. And he sure. said, but it is blasphemous. And I said, so you think now? They didn't think that at the time. Yeah, things have and changed. he frowned yeah. at me. Yeah. And, and he said, Ugh. but you should still take the book out of the library. <laughs> and I said, why? Because we don't subscribe to that blasphemy thing. We think the devil you know is far more helpful to you than not knowing the devil. And he said, what you mean? I said, you must know what it is you want to fight, (laughs) fight against. And he goes, you twist my words. And I said, yeah, now we're having a religious discussion. That's what it's called twisting somebody else's words Hilarious. welcome to the fun fair. yeah welcome
0: <laughs> welcome to public libraries too yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah that's that's so what do you think of um robert jordan how, how do you rank his books have you read any of those because they're quite talking esque yes. yeah uh
1: i i got to ma- meet james rigby once mm. and he was very ill um with what would ultimately kill him um and he had this horrible thing where... He had cancer, you're, you're... didn't
0: he? Was it cancer?
1: No, no, no. He has this um, condition where your own arteries break down inside your body, the walls of the arteries, until you finally drown in your own blood. Really? And there's no there's no cure. Oh, dude. Um, and uh, interestingly, he married his editor... <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow i tell you what his books could have done with a bit more editing I, I yeah liked it. <laughs> don't you think
1: uh, i could tell you stories about him like um he got so he would deliver the book um like 48 hours before press right. deadline right so a tour would get the book and they would take a copy editor and they'd rush the manuscript to her in a motel room wow and she'd work around the clock editing it, put it in a FedEx box. And Poor
0: woman, that's a tough, that's a big ask. You to know? make
1: sure that they didn't have time to change the story. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, what do I think of them? I think as a world-building achievement, they are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the writing leaves something to be desired. Yeah. Um, in my book. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I hear you. I,
0: I just think as a world builder, he's right up oh, there, you know?
1: Right up there, yes. Yeah. I, I hey. had an interesting interview with him,
0: Ed. Um, it probably wasn't that long before he passed away, and he was talking about the books, and I was sort of saying, like, you know, you've however many books there are in the series, let's say there's 12, I don't know, but he, and he was saying how he had all these alternate plans from the book yep. one, and he did plan stuff out, like, long range, and he could, he could move yep. them and shift them, like, it was kind of impressive, you know, to hear him talk yeah. about
1: it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. Originally, Eye of the World, mm. which I still think is one of the strongest books in the series, mm. originally was a standalone. Really? Um, it's very much a Fellowship of the Ring clone, the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And when it sold, um, Tom said, oh, yeah, I want more. So he immediately expanded it in his mind into yeah. a trilogy. Right. But not further on from then. But by... The way that it sold, okay, we're cranking them now. Yeah. So then he had a chance to spread his wings and tell the wider stories that had been the background yeah. for the foreground story in the first one. And it is amazing to watch yeah. where he he did that, where he expanded, where he took the story. Um, so, yeah, as a world builder, I find them fascinating.
0: Yeah, I'm reading them at the moment, and I'm and they and it's a slow read because there's so much, but but I I I'm like, I agree with you. Some of the writing is not the greatest, and also it's very descriptive sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, dude, dial down some of the description. But it, the world building is impressive, and some of the twists and turns I did not see coming. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh yep. wow, okay, yeah, like yeah. He was a yeah. Vietnam veteran, I believe. I think I read in his bio somewhere. Uh, I think mm, he, yes, yeah, military veteran, yes, yeah. And and uh, did he have the disease a long time? Like, was it was it a slow?
1: It, uh, it, I I yeah. believe it was a slow. I don't know the yeah. details of, um, but yeah, um, it was years before he started to fail. If you see what I mean, but yeah. uh, he had time to dictate on his deathbed how oh. he wanted the the series to end and and they literally uh harriet his his wife uh oh. and and his brother um had a had a tape recorder and they literally shape recorded what is and because that was then handed to brandon sanderson yes
0: yeah uh, but, yeah to yeah brandon sanderson finished them off yeah and, and i'll get there and i'm just i'm just like that's so hardcore to your dying breath and some people will say that's ridiculous but i'm kind of like as a writer myself i'm like it's also very fucking impressive you know,
1: it is, it you know, is. it's and dedication
0: it's, it, to the, to the point of almost insanity, you know?
1: Well, it's dedication to the story. Yeah. It's knowing that you're dying. Nothing's going to stop it. You're sure. going. Yeah. Okay. What am I going to leave behind? I'm going to leave the best story I can because that's all I can leave in the world. And he's probably thinking
0: his legacy, his family, yeah. if I can wrap yeah. it up. Yeah. No, I'm impressed by that. And, there are people out there who'll take shots at him, and I'm like, uh, you know what? Slow down. Slow your hustle. Like, this guy actually accomplished something that that only a fraction of people have done, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, it's kind of and- like slow your roll. The haters like to hate sometimes, man, you know?
1: Oh, sure. And and you, and you people who are not a fan of something will see something completely different from you if you are a fan of something. And you've just got to accept the, the, yeah. that old saying, it takes all sorts to make a world. 100%, man. Because um, yeah. it would be the worst sort of world to live in would be the world in which we all like the same thing. It'd be boring, you know? Yeah. It'd be boring. And most of us as writers wouldn't have jobs until... A writer died and we could all move up one on the yeah, Exactly. Board. Because everybody wants the same thing. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're getting towards the end of this question, Been so generous with time. Um oh. Ma- Michael asks, which of mork Michael Morcock's eternal champions would you like to have a pint of ale with? And he's assuming you've read Michael Moorcock's new Ulric novel, The Citadel of Forgotten Myths. What do you think of it if you have read it?
1: Um Um I have. Okay, um, well done. I am a I am a Mike Norcock fan. Yeah. Um because I grew up reading his books. Um right, Now right there were books that were written in a heck of a hurry, wham wham wham. I think um, uh,
0: some under the influence possibly too, you know.
1: Oh yes, yes. <laughs> because we, we know when they were written. That's a that's a that's a fair The swing
0: in 60s, man, some of them, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and I I attended some of those Hawkwind concerts.
0: <laughs> um, oh
1: wow, cool we are warriors from the end of time.
0: Was he actually we, on the stage or was he? Uh,
1: occasionally, not right. all the time, yeah. yes, they were performing his songs and occasionally he got up on the stage. with That's them. cool. Oh yeah, that was, um, but, um, yes. Um, Hmm. Which eternal champion? Well, I would tend to like the l- less morose champions. Yes. And, um,
0: Elric was rather morose from memory. Yeah, Yeah.
1: but he's, um, and Ericos was, um, you see, I I would vacillate back and forth on that because the other thing is I don't particularly want to be with the one who was on the frozen world, um, sailing on the kissing bitch, because I don't want to be that cold anymore. I'm getting old i feel the cold now do you remember
0: um, the one i the one who was like nomad of the time ship or something and
2: yeah
1: yeah it yeah. was he
0: was cool also um, what about jerry cornelius
1: yeah jerry cornelius would be fun uh yeah, yeah no that was oswald bastable the one you think yes um uh jerry cornelius would be fun but you see jerry cornelius was like okay if I want to hang out he was cool. at a London party where everybody's doing drugs and yeah, there's wealth cool, Yeah. <laughs> He's um, my I'm pick. There. I liked him. I liked him. I yes. liked this whole setup. <laughs> and and he, and he was a smart ass too. And he um, had a needle
0: gun, remember?
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, so that would be one contender. Uh mm. another would be Elric not for Elric, mm. but for Moonglum, because I'd have someone to watch my back and and Be there for me. Yep. Moonglum was always there for Elric. Moonglum was always there for everybody. He Hmm. he, because he considered things that Elric either couldn't consider because the blade was
0: too. Stormbringer, man, from memory wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stalling it back.
1: Yeah. And oh yeah, but and (laughs) and the new book. I was so happy to see him put something out after all these years. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, and it's here's the thing. Mm. there comes a time when it doesn't matter about the quality so much it's sure. the same thing i was after when i came charging up those stairs to my dad yeah where's the next one i just want the next one and in this case it was a chance to go back in time nostalgia and a new elric book
2: yeah, oh yeah it's a lot I'm of there. fun it's
1: a lot of yeah. fun yeah yeah so that to me uh, matters more than anything else yeah. And that is the thing. For me, it's like... It's like Bob I,
0: it's Dylan putting to... out a new album,
1: you know? Yeah, it's yeah. a chance to go down memory lane. Yep. And uh, when somebody says, oh, it's not as good as such... A... No. I don't care. Yeah. Go away. I don't care. Don't ruin my parade.
0: Dude, Michael Moorcock's done enough good stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Speaking of Jesus Christ, have you ever read Behold the Man? That's Yes. I this book. Fantastic. Yeah. I read yeah. that book in high school, and I swear to God, I was like, this is... I, if one of the brothers sees me reading this, I'm in trouble. This was good stuff, though.
1: You know? It, ah! Yeah. You had brothers watching over your reading. Oh, well, they man. No, dude, yeah. they, don't worry. They didn't know
0: much of what good. was going on. Like, but, Good.
1: But I read, oh, yeah. let me tell you a story from my religious thing very quickly. Yeah. I was in the church choir, mainly because my parents were. And they dragooned us all to sing in the church choir, and there were never enough bases, so I got dragooned in. And my friend Victor, um, who was dragooned into the church choir because of his parents, yeah, would put a Conan book. We oh, we yes. had these, we had these um red leather things that held our sheet music, and the 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 minister would gather us all for a prayer together at the foot of the stairs before we walked up into the sanctuary <laughs> to begin the service, yeah, and. And he looked over and one day and saw the Conan book <laughs> on Victor's thing, because Victor had it open. And he said, um, catching up on your reading, uh, Victor? And Victor looked at him and said, better than your bloody sermons. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, at, at, you and can't beat Robert E. Howard,
0: man. He was yeah. awesome. <laughs>
1: and and you know the reverend sort of threw his head back that wasn't the, what he was and then he looked over at victor's parents you know expecting victor's parents to you know give him a wallop sort of thing yeah and victor's parents just shrugged yeah and like, you know yeah. it's like hey he's entitled to his opinion man that's sort it of life
0: goes on you know you yeah know it goes? yeah like um you know the, the brothers never knew what they were doing in our place they were blissfully unaware i mean i was reading um you know, um, we're going back to high school, I remember reading, I still remember reading Michael Moorcock's, like, English Assassin and and I want to say it was whatever the last book was called and and, it blew my mind what he was doing, you know, and and I was almost, I was that, you know, know when you're a very young writer, you've talked about it here and I was like, man, this is the kind of stuff I want to write. It's so good, you know? Yes. Um, Yes. Very imaginative as a writer, you know? and yeah. um he could write serious he could write kind of comedy he oh, sm- yeah. smart ass like I, I almost wonder how he found the time he must have just been around the clock writing
1: oh yeah yeah and he wrote quickly but yes um yeah and i remember uh, one of our librarians mm. um well, somebody donated um one of the uh, uh i think it was the quest for Tantalor. yep and and uh she looked at it and sniffed and said uh, I don't think we need this sort of book in our library. Jesus. And, and I said, what, you're turning your back on one of the best pure stylists in the English language. Yeah. And she looked at me like, Oh, Ed, here you go. Championing another of your crazy science fiction fantasy writers again. So I just said, don't throw that book away. I'll be back tomorrow with another one. And I went home and got my second copy, the yeah. reading copy of Gloriana. or Oh the Unfulfilled yeah. I remember Queen. that. I remember that. And yeah. I, I handed it to her and said, read this, read it to the end and tell me again if he's just one of those crazy writers. And she came back a a week later. It took her a week to read it. And she apologized to me. She said, I, this was much better than I thought it would be when I started. This, this is a great book. Yeah. She said in a sort of disbelief, this is a great book. And I said, and you were going to throw that other one out.
0: And you know what? It's one of many too. You know, yeah, like yeah. He, he I mean, yes, you are right. Some of his stuff he slapped out, but I think other stuff he took a bit of time on, you know. Um,
1: oh, sure. Ever, and, and he yeah. used to talk about that. He once yeah. said, oh, yeah, I have to write another fur jockstrap novel so I can um, write the thing I want to write, you uh, know, and, and uh, yeah. but that's OK. That is not something to be looked down on. If the writer can feed himself or yeah. herself yeah. so that the writer gets to write new ones that I get to read tomorrow, I'm for it. Whatever they have to do, I'm for it.
0: Oh, 100%. Dude. at the end of the day, he's got to put food on the table. He's got to pay yeah. rent. He's got to live his life. You know, may, maybe pay for his uh, weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe
1: pay for his weed, yeah. <laughs> um, in his case, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, seriously, like, he's got to live his life, man, you know. Yeah. And there's a guy, I mean, he'd be aged now. I'm not sure how old he is. He'd be in his 80s, surely. Yep. Uh, I know he's yep. got mobility issues and stuff, Um, but I always want to say, Signal, we owe Michael Moorcock a debt, you know, because I think he was that, one of those guys who sort of bridged the gap between classic fantasy and kind of much more modern take on stuff. Like, he challenged a lot of stuff, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, to science fiction writers, if they know or care at all, I'm not talking about the modern ones, because most of the time they don't, um but back in the day Michael Moorcock was very important because he was one of the um linchpins of what they called the new wave because mm. he edited the magazine New Worlds yeah. in in England that published all the new wave writers so he's very historically important yeah 100% man well yeah. dude
0: i've i've got a i've got a final question here and it's really more of a statement it's from Dewey 1125 and she says the one thing I'd like Ed to know is that in nineteen ninety nine a friend of mine lent me his copy of Spellfire and it started me on a lifelong love of all things forgotten realms. My many, many thanks to Mr Greenwood for the wonderful adventures my friends and family have enjoyed in this amazing playground he envisioned for us. And you know uh, Man Thank you. Yeah. Look, it's it's how I want to end it because it's how I feel too, like you know, I remember being in a like, – dude, we've mentioned weed. Okay, it was the 90s. I was super stoned. And um, and I was with a friend, and I noticed a Forgotten Realms source book. It was very early 90s. And I, I picked it up, and I was, like, looking at it. And I was, like, you know, I was very familiar with bits and pieces of it. And I was just, like, I, I was so engrossed. You know, and I I was like, man, this is a real world that has been fleshed out here. It was one of the first, you know, the Forgotten Realms adventures or whatever you put out at the time. Mm. And just the sense that you've given us this world that people have played in and enjoyed and the legacy that carries on. Ed, thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for playing in the realms, reading the realms, loving the realms, because that's what makes it real. The fact that people keep on using it, so therefore the publisher hasn't thrown it away and for something new, they yeah. go on publishing it. It's because you guys love it. So it keeps on selling. So we keep on getting new Realms books. And I'm incredibly grateful to the people who are fans of the Realms and keep using it and the new people who keep discovering it and falling in love with it mm. and saying, Give me more, give me more. Because um, I get to do, like I said, about the 50s and uh, 60s, and you get to do what you want to do in life. I get to do what I want to do in life, which is endlessly detail more of the realms for you guys i uh, and it's it's people like that who fall fallen in love with the realms mm. and use it and people like you who've fallen in the realms, <laughs> love with the realms and use it and that that lets me go on doing um so i don't have to get an honest job
0: <laughs> <laughs> i've got a final question did you create the beholder core was that you you have you yeah, have you heard of these guys it's like a it's it's like a it's like an army or something or a squad of beholders. I always thought, how can you beat these guys? Like
1: Okay. I did not create that. What I created was something called the Ring of Death, <laughs> which is where which is where one beholder kills a lot of rival beholders and <laughs> animates their bodies as undead and uses oh. them in a ring around it as well that's guardians. very
0: similar that's super that's yeah. that's crazy in itself that's even worse <laughs> 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 suddenly they're undead now they're not, like i've always I, I never got to that level where a uh, beholder for me i'm like unbeatable can't beat it no idea how to do it uh, i'm sure there's a way in D and D, you like but i'm like i never got to that level where i'd see a beholder and go yeah i'm confident
1: you know? <laughs> yeah no 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 and you shouldn't because the people who do they confidently go to their deaths you know
0: <laughs> all right ed well i want to you you it's you can rest now you can rest easy you can get your three hours sleep i know you're going to be up tomorrow doing more realms products and all this other stuff but thank you so much for coming on the show
1: my pleasure thank you for having me this was a pure delight because we could just talk it was great thank you
0: <laughs> thank you ed